Hey there, everybody. Today's podcast is brought to you by GolfGuide.net. Golf Guide magazine available at over 1,200 golf courses and hotels across California, Nevada, and Oregon. Help you find great places to play golf. And when you finally decide to go ahead and hit the links, visit GolfGuide.net to save 30 to 70% on your greens fees. Once again, Golf Guide magazine and GolfGuide.net. Find golf that you want to find. And today's podcast is a little bit on the lengthy side. Looks like we got a little uh, two hours and change of audio delightfulness for you. So feel free to skip ahead to whatever part you want. Today we cover an array of topics that were a ton of fun to talk about with my good friend Casey. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, well, everybody, welcome to another beautiful, delicate, savory episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my always, always wonderful friend, Casey. Casey, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Kyle. How are you? Awesome, man. It's it's the early evening here in Santa Rosa, California. City of uh, roses, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen a strong lack of, of roses in terms of their presence around downtown. There's, n- there's no roses anywhere. Why? Just, if that, if a, if a child Luther Burbank son of a gun, he, he's he's ruined the whole place for us. Well, I mean, false expectations. I, well, that yeah, they must be worried that if children go up and and frolic in the bushes, that they'll get horribly scarred, and their parents will sue the city for all kinds of distress. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's a rough time. But luckily, most of the people listening are probably not in Santa Rosa, so they don't have to share our same grief, which is which is quite nice. Ah, I see. All right, awesome. So, hey, everybody, so today we're recording this on Thursday, January the 21st, and uh, lucky for us and lucky for you, the PGA Tour season is underway. It certainly is. All right. And so the European Tour is in full force as well. Dude, that Abu Dhabi. Who's the gentleman? So, right now, the first round just concluded in Abu Dhabi as well as down at uh, PGA West, the Career Builder Challenge. Um, did you get a chance to watch or hear about anything that happened at the, in Abu Dhabi today? I was only able to watch the first two hours of the broadcast from Abu Dhabi because I had to go to bed and work to <laughs> save the world today. And uh, have, I have the rest of it taped, and I'm going to watch the second round. And we're very thankful that you're out there. Oh, yeah. Just being the man. I'm Superman. Making a brighter, brighter future for us and our children. The last I... The last I checked, uh, it was very early in the round, and I think Martin Keimer might have even had the lead, but I don't know who ended up with the first round lead. Martin Keimer played outstanding, outstanding golf today. I think he ended up shooting a, I don't know, it was Henrik I'm thinking of, that shot a 65? Never put any no, money yeah, on so Henrik Stenson, by Henri- the way. Henri- Henrik shot 65 today, so he's 7-under mm-hmm. after one. Um, Spieth shot 4-under. Uh, let's see here. McElroy six under, two off the lead. Mm-hmm. The leader after one round at eight under par, shooting a sixty-four today, is U.S. Amateur Champion, Mister D. Shambao. Really, I didn't even know he was in the field. I had no idea he was playing in this. That guy is something else. Did you watch the amateur? No, I was like, I, I did not know who he was until I saw the leaderboard today. And I was fascinated. I said, he is who a, the hell is this he, guy? He is a, a taut, physical <laughs> specimen. <laughs> With a, a an old fashioned hat, <laughs> and he's got the set of clubs that y- you've heard all this story. It's the oldest story in the world. Everybody's heard the Deschambeau story, but all of his irons are the same length 
and crazy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're the same lie. The only thing that's different from his iron on his irons is the the swing weight might be different and the loft. And he and that I think goes for all the wedges as well. So they are all I think about the length of an ordinary seven iron. And the fuck's wrong with this guy? It works. The guy is like a he's like a swing machine robot. He's even more accurate than that, in a sense, because even a swing machine robot has different length clubs that it swings. Uh, of course, you calibrate it, but his golf swing is very upright. It's uh, it has no loop whatsoever. It's a one plane golf swing. He is really strong. He's in incredible shape, and the premise of his golf swing, he's a physics expert, at least by golf standards. And he studies the biomechanics of the golf swing, and he has focused on repeatability. He thinks that if he has a repeatable golf swing that makes pure impact, that, and I guess he changes the impact angle of attack based on ball position, that if that that's all he needs to do. What? And it totally works. The guy is such a good player. Well, I, as soon as you said that, I, I googled his name, and a uh, an article that's appearing on golf dot com, but it just seems like it's an you know Associated Press article with the headline: Abu Dhabi leader Deschambeau compares himself to Einstein. Uh, well, that's, that's <laughs> lofty. That's great. <laughs> he shoots <laughs> a sixty four in Abu Dhabi and marries <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> Uh, that's some some twenty two year old confidence. That's amazing. That is, is quite good. I think Boo Weekly has shot better than sixty four before. <laughs> so is he is he Stephen Hawking? <laughs> well, he he might not be as well spoken as Stephen Hawking, but he you know he, you you could make that comparison. Well, does, that that begs the question: Does Stephen Hawking speak? <laughs> because the voice comes out of a robot. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. It's, that's an interesting legal question. That is, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Oh, by the way, it appears that we're out of delicious Sierra Nevada Pale Ales, the unofficial sponsor of the Golf Guide podcast. Do we need another beverage? I think I'll wait just a moment until if, maybe you start in on the story. Well, I can get in a little bit of this uh, DeChambeau article if you wanted to go. Please, regale the audience. So, on this uh, this DeChambeau article, just to kind of follow up on what you were, you were talking about regarding this guy's just physical prowess and his odd mental approach and I guess it would be like his mental and physical approach to this game um, he says he's doing it all through quote innovation and he says you know why be nervous about anything that's going on um, there's no expectations for me I'm not worried about anything if I hit a bad shot I've got an opportunity to show my grace and my character in that situation there's no downside to it well the downside is that what you could what you're doing could just not work and just, just go out there and fire a blowy 85 and <laughs> everybody's just going to think there's <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of whatnot stuck in his mouth and he's, uh, uh, that's not going to be good. But 64, yeah. There's, I'm never going to shoot a 64 in a championship golf course, so in that regard, it's quite impressive. I was going to say you might shoot a 64, but then you said championship golf course, so I lost an opportunity to tell <laughs> a funny joke. But... Uh, you know, DeChambeau, another interesting thing is I believe that he went to college at Southern Methodist and was powerful Eric Dickerson. a strong, you know, leader of their, their program, of course. 
and that they were sanctioned by the NCAA. So he did leave school earlier than he was planning because the program would have uh, been ineligible for NCAA championships and various other end-of-year prizes. So he decided, F that. I'm just going to go shoot 64 in Abu Dhabi and you know, forego my degree. So I do think he left college early because of NCAA sanctions. But that would have been pretty recently then? Yeah. Interesting. After the amateur. Interesting. What uh, when, when does the amateur take place again? Like what 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 time of the year is it? Midsummer. I think it's after. It's after the U.S. Open. Okay. It's probably like between the Open Championship and the PGA, but I'm not entirely sure. Are you one of the golf fans that would be that l- sees the amateur as a sort of fifth major, and that because it is the highest amateur tournament possible? Do you no. give it? No, no, it's no. not the fifth major, but I mean, it's incredibly prestigious. Uh, I think that if all you ever do in your golfing career is win the amateur, it, that's a pretty it, robust golfing career. In a sense, it's cooler than if you're a guy who never won the amateur, and let's say you won once on the PGA Tour, which is objectively more difficult right. than winning the amateur. For some reason, it's just not as cool because totally. it's not a national championship, and most of the greatest players in the history of golf have won the amateur. Although tons of Hall of Famers never did. Right. So I, I'm not sure if it's just a romantic idea and the, the history of the tournament, but so much of golf is based on romance and history. Yeah. As a fan, would you rather watch the amateur than, say, a middle tiered PGA Tour event? Absolutely. Yeah. De- definitely. It's match play, it's really exciting. You, you know, it's mostly stud college players at this point. And it's great to see a lot of players you've never seen before. And you don't know where their ceilings are going to be. And they're also very uh, individualistic, like DeChambeau, more Mm -hmm. than anybody. You never have seen a player like that before. Mm -hmm. And by the time they show up on the PGA Tour, some of the, the mystique is gone. And I like watching the amateur and trying to peg who I think is going to be successful and who's going to fall short. And... You know, I I always thought Danny Lee, after he won the amateur, was going to be one of the greatest players on the PGA Tour because he was so frigging good in that tournament. And then he fell into a volcano <laughs> for about seven years, and now he's winning tournaments on the PGA Tour, and he was on the President's Cup team. So it goes to show that you can you can tell talent from the amateur. From the amateur, but then when you get on the PGA Tour, it's a whole different animal. And sometimes it just eats you up. Yeah. So, as, as you're saying there, I had a little, uh, you know, b- because I got a little motivated before the podcast here tonight, I had a little thought in my head that popped in uh, that, I, that I wanted to share with you and get your take on. This is as random as you could possibly get. So, th- there's no there's no arguing that the weakest major on the tour calendar is the PGA, correct? In terms of prestige, it's definitely the weakest. Certainly, it is and in terms of golf courses, it's the weakest. Yeah, and would you say that it's also? I don't want to say it's the least exciting, but you're generally less excited for the PGA than you are for any of the other three I'm, majors. I'm correct? Absolutely less excited for it, but I think that oftentimes the actual tournament has been more exciting, or at least as exciting as the other majors. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're that dirtbag Tim Fincham, all right? The PGA Tour is your oyster. You can do whatever you want with it, you know, within mild reason. But someone has given you the authority to 
make changes to the PGA Championship in hopes that maybe you could find some way for have it be the major that is somehow a little different from the other majors. Is that a completely ludicrous idea that goes against the principles of golf, or would you get a little creative and try to think of something where maybe there, I, maybe there is a match play major? Well, funny that you say that. The PGA used to be match play. Up until when? Until the mid-50s, at least, and maybe the 60s. So the, the PGA used to be, I'm not sure if there was any stroke play, but it could have been the same as the amateur format, but it certainly was a match play tournament, mm -hmm. and they, they chose to, to end that. But, uh, you know, a lot of the best players who have ever played the game who did win the PGA won it in match play format. Um, Sam Snead, I think, won the PGA in match play format, and, you know, quite a few other players. Um, I'm trying to remember who didn't win the PGA, and that was the, the leg of the Grand Slam they didn't get. I can't remember which player that was. But in any case, it used to be match play. Um, they chose to end that. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. The problem with match play is that I do think intrinsically it's harder to identify the best player in match play. Sure. Now, here's uh, my follow-up to that. What, what would your, be your thoughts on having something like this? A PGA championship that lasts for a week and a half. No one's got the attention to watch golf for a week and a half, except for me. What if you have the PGA Championship and you have four qualifying seating rounds, the no, first half no, of the no, tournament? No, no, no. That determines the seating for then a 16 this to 32 just player match absurd. play. Absurd. How much fun would that be? The players aren't going to like that. What if they come on? Bump the purse up a little bit. Don't be a pussy. Just Wait. put, you know. Oh, my God. How great would that be? That no, no one. Q School has the reputation for being the worst thing in the world, and it's nowhere near that long. A week. Okay. So let's say you have two qualifying rounds. Oh, my God. Just to make it a little easy. You have two qualifying rounds, and that's the cut line. See, we run into a lot of problems here because the whole kind of identity of the PGA right now, and I know we're talking about changing it, but it's the club professionals. And if we have these qualifying rounds, the club professionals are basically going to get into a tournament that they have no chance of making the cut in. Well, they have no chance of making no, the, they of winning the tournament anyway. Okay, but they get a little further under the current rules. Everybody still gets to play two play, rounds. Normal stroke play tournament. No, it's it's stroke play. For what are two, we for two rounds? Uh huh. And then so after two that, rounds it's of stroke play, match play, and essentially the like cut the line NCAA tournament. The cut line would basically be who gets into that final thirty-two person. Let's look at match play. let's look at the WGC match play event that okay. they already have on the tour. Does that take more than one week when they play it, or they're no, playing, they're playing multiple rounds for the winner? Each day. Th the winner and runner-up in that event play six rounds of golf, I think. So it's the the players don't like it. It's just a fact. You play they, golf for a living. Don't be well. Don't the, be a the, dickhead. The, the, the just, players like playing match play, but. Rory McIlroy won the last one. It was at, at Harding Park in San Francisco, and he beats uh, Gary Woodland in the final. He mm -hmm. beat Paul Casey in the semifinal. And, you know, Rory McIlroy, he was exhausted when it was over, and he missed his tickets that he had for the Pacquiao fight in Las Vegas, and he's stranded in San Francisco, and it he... it, it And it, nobody feels bad for you. No, but what, what you have is the players who, you know... 
it's harder for the, for them to predict their schedules, and some of them are more tired than others. It's, it's also not a major. No, no, it's not. But I think match play, uh, it seems like a better idea than it really is. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is the single most memorable round of professional golf that you've watched in the last 10 years? 10 years. Hmm. Well, you know, there's a huge recency bias because the ones I remember right at this very moment are this, the ones from the last couple of years. Okay. I mean, we, and that's okay. We, we, we can't help but mention the final round of the 2008 U.S. Open. The final round or the, the Monday fi- playoff? The final round. The Monday playoff was less memorable, mm-hmm. uh, but it was very good. But they didn't play particularly great. I think they both shot one under, which is solid. But at the U.S. Open, that's yeah, it's really good. It's good if you know if you shoot that four times, you'll win the tournament. Sure. But uh, I do think that the best round that I can remember was that that final round of uh, the PGA Championship back in 2014. I, was th- I thought you were about to go Rich Beam on me. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> uh, the, the Rory McIlroy uh, back nine comeback mm-hmm. to beat Fowler and. Stenson, and that was just great. It was, it was okay. And you remember that's a perfect counter argument because mine was the 08 U.S. Open. Yeah, where it's basically mano a mano. It's just Tiger Rocco media. Well, no, no, it wasn't. There was Lee Westwood. Yeah, West Westwood had a Westwood had a birdie putt to get to the number on eighteen. Lee Westwood's not going to make that putt. Oh, but he had it. It was not that much longer than Tiger's, and of course he's not going to make it. But it was good. It. It was riveting, and if and if one guy ever deserved to win a major, didn't do it. Besides Colin Montgomery, it was Lee Westwood. That mm-hmm. guy finished so high in so many tournaments. As I recently saw a picture of Lee Westwood wearing shorts on a practice round in Abu Dhabi. Did you see that? The European uh, Tour is allowing players to wear shorts for all the practice rounds now. That's fascinating. They should allow players to wear shorts for the practice rounds, but not Lee Westwood, <laughs> because no one wants to see his legs. They should let. <laughs> They should let uh, Rafael Cabrera Bayo wear shorts <laughs> and Rory McIlroy, not Lee Westwood. Uh, he's a pasty fellow. He's pasty and he's 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 strong, but also pudgy. And you know those legs have all kinds of odd shaped hair patterns and weird marks on them. Very unnecessary old, you know, middle aged man veins too. It's just from awkward only, dehydration. Only the players combined with a, a little bit of insecurity about some slender legs and a, and a large, broad shoulder. Only the it, players just... from countries that have Mediterranean seaboards can wear the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as Americans go. If they allowed, would you that's, be in favor? That's of, even worse. Well, okay. Would you be in favor of them allowing shorts for the practice rounds of PGA Tour events? No, no, no. I, I wouldn't be in favor of that. It's just, just because it makes guys look like a dill. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Shorts on men is not a good look. It just isn't. I look great in shorts. I'm, I'm sure you do, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that nobody is allowed to wear shorts in any kind of context in America where they're supposed to look good unless they're movie stars and they're cavorting with Taylor Swift in Malibu. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Even in a practice round? Oh, come on. You're at work. <laughs> I mean, these are guys at work. Yeah, I guess that's true. I know because uh, Jordan Spieth came out today talking about because he got to wear, you know, 
the Abu Dhabi event is technically a European tour event, and he was wearing shorts in the practice round, and it came up afterwards. Jordan like, Spieth can wear shorts whenever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got no problem with that. <laughs> when you're just uh, handsome and it's just bawling yeah. on a just unparalleled level, unless you go back to Tiger in 08 or before that. Tiger had a couple of years that were better than Jordan Spieth is playing, but it's it's the next best thing. Well, that's what I mean. Like nobody's been at this level. No. Since basically Tiger, you know, you got know, his ass beat by his wife, and you know, and then you know, I can't shards of glass entering his his temple and I things can't like that. Figure out, I can't figure out how he does it exactly, except for the incredible putting. Um, the rest of it is just really solid, but there are a lot of solid players on the tour. What, what are your thoughts on like the little hitch that he has, like right in the beginning of his putting stroke? I guess a lot of guys have that. I, I feel really comfortable when I do it, but it never really produces results. <laughs> So but it, it, but something about it feels really natural, so I'm I'm always inclined to want to do it, but it just never, it just never really works. I've read so, I've read why a lot of guys have that little timing mechanism at the beginning of their putting strokes. I there was an explanation that I bought for it. I can't remember what it was, but it's extremely common. Very few players start their putting backstroke from a dead silent position. Hmm. Most of them have a tiny pre move. Some and sort of little timing mechanism that helps them get mm -hmm. just clicked in. Ha did you watch the um, Sony Open? Uh, I caught bits and pieces of it. I, I followed a lot of it online, but unfortunately I didn't get to watch a whole bunch of it. Did, I, I was moving this weekend, this past weekend. So, um, Did you see Zach Blair? He was the third place finisher. Okay, I heard the name. Refresh me a little bit. and you can. He's you, a, anybody that's listening, you can a, refresh them he's as a, well. He's a real... I, I'm not going to, I shouldn't be mean to the guy, he seems like a nice guy, but he's a young guy, he's kind of, you know, pudgy, and good, real good player, mm -hmm. solid. He's got the most obnoxious putting tick that you ever have seen. Um, he He steps around and moves his feet like Fred Astaire. Oh, he's the, the fucking shimmy guy. He's the shimmy guy. Oh, the, one of the announcers said it was the Blair Twitch project, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny because, the, you know, it's it's extraordinary. He's twitching like, uh, you know, a meth addict on payday. Anytime he puts. And he does it right up until the moment he puts and he makes a ton of putts. He's a really good putter. So go figure. He's way better than I'll ever be at putting, and he he is like, you know, he's like I don't know what he's like. The Blair Twitch Project. Blair Twitch Project. That's so good. Yeah, he was. With, and what's up with your boy Fabian? Fabian was seven straight birdies in the final round. When does you that know, ever so happen? See, the, Who birdies seven straight holes? This is a storyline. Fucking weirdo. Like I, I don't know if this is why he did it. He's a good player, but a thing to pay attention to in 2016 because it's going to be a cool year for golf is whether players who have a lot on the line potentially with the Olympics, mm -hmm. whether they maybe step up and decide, uh, I don't know, whether it provides extra motivation. It's totally speculation. Who knows what motivates guys? They have plenty of motivation ordinarily just to win majors, win tournaments, keep their cards, make money. But guys from certain countries, they know if they're in the top two in the world rankings from their countries that they're going to be able to get into the Olympics and a victory practically clinches that. 
uh, if it's a PGA Tour event or a European Tour event from certain countries. So we'll have to see if uh, some smaller country players overperform this year. Hmm. What do you... That's a tough one. What what do we know yet? What tournaments are going to suffer? What tournaments are basically going to be coinciding with the Olympics later this year? I'm, I'm going to look it up here. I think the Olympics will be before. I I believe they'll be between the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. That that's my, that's what I think is it's going to be. Oh, I'm looking at the PGA Tour Latino America side. No wonder it says that nothing looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Evidently, some kid who's been playing golf for five years won the Latin American Amateur and got a spot in the Masters. He's like 17. Uh, a does, spot in the Masters? Doesn't that piss you off? Fuck yeah, it does. Don't, like, It'll be, I hope he does real I well. I don't know if he's by 40 strokes, but I get to play Augusta. I, don't know if I wouldn't even care. I don't know if he's good or not. Uh, I, I didn't watch any of the Latin American Amateur Championship. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. I heard a little something. He's how, like a 17-year-old. You win the tournament. It's an amateur tournament, just like the U.S. amateur gets a berth. Huh. But the Masters is doing a pretty wise thing. They're they're giving berths to the winners of the Asia-Pacific Amateur and the Latin American Amateur in an effort to grow the game. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. But I'm just extremely jealous. <laughs> And, you know, a guy who's been playing for five years who's 17 years old and now he's in the Masters. Do you still hold the opinion that if I gave you a pass, a golf certificate, you can redeem it at any golf course no, in the world? Of course it's Augusta. It is Augusta? Yeah, of course. It's not even, a, not even in dispute. If you gave me 100 golf passes... How I would, many of them do you use at Augusta? I'd use 93 of them at Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems a little crazy to me. That I'd use at least fifty. I could I could rationally I, I could rationally justify like twelve or thirteen. Oh please. There's too many good golf courses out there. That too many good golf courses that you would never ever get to play otherwise. You can brag all you want to people about playing National Golf Links of America and Aronimink. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what other courses you have. But nobody knows what the hell those courses are. So you're never going to find do. you're never going to find a human being who you can really talk to about it and commiserate <laughs> with. I mean, if you played Augusta 90 times, you would have the story of the time you had a hole in one on 16, the story of a time a bear well, tried to eat you on 13. You it's would not be ridiculous. <laughs> no, it would be great. No hole in ones. <laughs> I see that being said, Twelve times of playing Augusta is still—that's a shitload of golf at Augusta. That—that's great. That's—that's—that's that's, that's three Masters tournaments of making it to the final round. That's great. That's not enough for me. All right, so you use ninety-three of them at Augusta. Yeah. Where are your other seven rounds going to be at? Uh, Pine Valley Cypress. Okay, you got five left. Five <laughs> left now. Uh, I think this goes uh, a little something. Shinnecock. I think this goes against something you said on the very first podcast. Oakmont. I it doesn't have to be just in America. Anywhere. Well, most of the best private courses in Amer are in America and if I saved up I could play most of the good private courses in other countries. Yeah, I guess it's a good point. The ones in America are the ones you really will genuinely Mar get to play. Marion. Marion's the big one. Um for me at least. Yeah. See, I've I already played it. No, I got around there. <sighs> so bad. No, cuz don't you want multiple rounds of these golf courses? 
Okay, fine. I'm going down to 86 at Augusta. (laughs) (laughs) How many rounds you played Cyprus? Two. How many rounds of Pine Valley? Probably just one. Uh, One's enough. uh, How many majors they have there? uh, It's too good to have majors. Please. (laughs) I okay. Speaking on the same architecture design note, I mean. What is the reason that they can't hold majors? Like a Pine Valley and a Cypress. Why can't they have a major? They're too short. There's no gallery space, and it's too short. I mean, the gallery space, Cypress, Cypress they could find a way to make it work. They had, the, they had the Crosby there for a number of years with a lot of success. The Crosby, you know, at Cypress, Cypress can host crowds, but they have decided that they want to keep the original design from McKenzie intact, and so they're going to keep it at 66, 6,700 yards. And if it's at 67, 60... You know, 6,600 yards. You can't have no. a tour event unless you do some awesome thing where you, you ban all woods. <laughs> well, no. So here's here's the thing, and I guess it's just a, a style of thinking that hasn't appealed to people who run the tour. But what really would stop them from hosting an event on a course that short? And by that, I mean it is fair. Yeah. And it, And it's not like nobody will ever hit driver. If there's a risk-reward element to a hole, a short par four, you know, guys will hit driver. And well, and the other thing is they can, you know, the superintendents, they're, they're smart guys. They, they can manipulate and change the golf course to play extremely difficult and tight. And where uh, that being the U- case... I thought the U.S. Open at Marion was really good. I, I, that see, was I didn't get to watch it. I think I was gone at, at that point. That was an entertaining golf tournament. And how long was it playing? It was basically 7,000 uh, on the dot, right? 69 okay it was short it was great you you can drop the par you know if it doesn't compromise the integrity of the hole you can take the you know you can even take a par four and turn it into a par three i know that would be kind of heinous but if you really are that worried about people going low you can make it work who cares if they're going low if everybody's playing that's at my the same point. par that's my it, point it doesn't even matter that's my point the USGA has so much pride about par, USGA and it doesn't make so any far up its sense. Own crusty, infected. Oh well, let's anus. not. Let's. Oh, oh my God. It, it, dude, the whole. I'm sorry. I'm USGA. I'm calling you out and seeing how so far we've got 73 downloads of this podcast so far. I know you're listening. Is that a fact? It's a fact. That's more than I thought. USGA? Are they all at Augusta? <laughs> all of them. None at Pine Valley. Every listener is wearing a green jacket as they listen to this right now. Yeah. The problem, my problem, is this stupid fucking rule where you can't post a score if you're playing by yourself. I, what the what the fuck is that? I I heard a, about that. Game, that is absurd. A game that touts itself as having higher ethics and uh, you know just a moral superiority superiority over other sports, and yet they don't. The governing body doesn't even trust the me- people who play it to be able to keep an accurate score. I have a huge problem with that. It's Awful. It's it's completely terri- awful. It's a terrible policy. It's deplorable. And what does it say? What does it say about the USGA and the way that it views the golfing community? Well, let's be honest. There are a lot of people who, first of all, there's no good reason to give yourself a lower handicap than you really have. But there are a lot of people who do that just for vanity. Um, Whereas me, I would want to go the exact opposite. I want as the, many strokes as possible. The USGA should have no concern about vanity handicaps. They are irrelevant. 
if a person is trying to qualify for the open, the public links, let them go out there and then embarrass themselves they, American Idol style. They, come on. Like, if they really think they're going to qualify and they go out there and they shoot a 94, let people laugh them off the golf course. They won't do it again. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't understand it. I, there's no rationale for it. it. Makes me angry. It make it. It's just my respect for the USGA, which was already low, is well. Chambers Bay almost non-existent. Did now. you watch that one? Were you it's out of the country? Awful. Oh my god! I was in Seattle uh, for the first it round. Was a good, it ended up being a good golf tournament, which obscured the fact that it was a really terrible course, a completely and awful venue, terrible, awful. It looked good on TV, yeah. but everything I've heard about people that w- actually attended the tournament horrible for spectators. Awful sight lines. The yeah. for spectators, they could barely see what was happening. A- and uh, very challenging terrain for people. They were slipping and sliding. Mm-hmm. I was at Royal County Down for the Irish Open, and there was some of that there. But from all accounts, Chambers Bay was as bad as it gets. People injuring themselves and falling over. And you have to remember, golf fans largely are older people who might not be as spry as they were in their younger years. They're just trying to enjoy a golf tournament, especially people in a region where the U.S. Open doesn't go that often. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's part of why they awarded it to this course. They need to... Oh, Pacific Northwest, uh, don't worry, you're important too. They need to make some serious changes at that golf course to ever consider hosting a major again. And here's the thing about the, the USGA. We know that they're so proud that they'll never admit it was a mistake, and they're going to send the U.S. Open back there. Now, since we did bring that up uh, when you were talking about a couple of those courses, I have to I have to bring this up. I I tweeted about it like two weeks ago when I saw it. Golf Digest has come out with their new 2016-2017 ranking of the world's 100 greatest golf courses. I heard a little bit about that. If I could sum up the list in one word... Garbage. Two words. It's fucking awful. <laughs> it's it is the stupidest list I have ever. Which come is, up, I need I need you to come up with the three word version right now. Hot fiery dick. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. It it's absolutely awful. And now is Royal County down number one? Number one mm-hmm. best course in the world according to Golf Digest. I think that's fair enough. But there there are other choices on there that are very questionable. Didn't a bunch of new courses come up to 20th? And There is one new course. It, it's the first time it's been on any list. It, is, it finished uh, construction and opened up within the last year, so it hasn't been on any top 100 list at all. It is now ranked at the 19th best course in the world. Wrong. Now, the answer is wrong. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of interesting because it does show a willingness to be more open and the fact that Golf's always been where... Well, I mean, golf historically, unless the course has been very old and it's got a lot of rich history, it can't be considered as one of the greatest courses in the world. And maybe that's... Well, Some people would say that's valid and that's that's part of... It is valid. Not for everybody, though. Like, for me, I mean, obviously, but when I go to Bandon Dunes and I play those courses up there, I know for a fact there's maybe only a handful of golf courses in the entire world that I would rather play. Than those up there, and those are but what would have ten been, years old, yeah, fifteen years old. But what would have been so terrible, at with debuting Bandon, or Pacific, or all those courses up there, at eighty-five, 
and then letting seeing it, letting it climb over a, a five-year period whether people agreed with you, whether they maintained the conditions and the quality. Well, I will say this. If there was a course that could jump that high on the list from everything that I've heard about this new course and everything that I know about the people who built it and the architects who designed it, it's the perfect storm. So is this a core Crenshaw course? It's a core Crenshaw course. Mm, that does get me excited. It was commissioned and built by Mike Kaiser. Oh, of Bandon Dunes fame, and it's right on the coast, mm. much in the same dramatic fashion as Cypress Point. Mm. It's in Nova Scotia, yeah, which is probably part it's of the downside for a lot of people. Not even the United States, <laughs> but it. It's basically, it's already been referred to as, I don't remember the specific, you know, golf design, golf, arch golf architecture writer, but he's already calling it the Cypress of the East. The course is called Cabot Cliffs. Mm. It's part of the new Cabot Links facility that Mike Kaiser is building in Nova Scotia right now. They already have one golf course that opened a couple of years ago called Cabot Links. The new one that Cora Crenshaw designed is called Cabot Cliffs. From everything that I've seen, it looks unbelievable. Mm. Like I will happily spend the thousands of dollars required for me to fly out there. Now, is this a resort course? It's it's like Bandon Dunes. Mm. It, it's the, they're putting the same process where they built just a little bit of very simple accommodations well, hey, for people. I'm very open-minded. I, I just think that when you're talking about a new golf course, you're necessarily going off of very few opinions. And, you know, they do it with all sorts of stuff. I mean, restaurant rankings is the best analogy for it. And you get new restaurants. And the restaurant world has high turnover, much higher than the golf course world. Mm -hmm. You have world-class restaurants that close five years after for no particular reason. The chef decides to move on, whatever. But It's an odd industry. It is. So, you know, there there's... Advances in agronomy and golf architecture and earth moving and site selection. Uh, so a lot of great golf courses are getting built, and it's perfectly perfectly acceptable for a new course to be high on the list. But I think that things need to stand the test of time in order to validate themselves. At least, and I don't, it doesn't need to be a long time, but... At least a couple of years. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong, but I also don't think the people that put the list together in this particular what, instance. What courses did it beat? So, that that's where it starts to look a little. When you see some of the courses that it's ranked ahead of, right. that's that's when you start to get a little. So, a, as we pick this list apart a little bit, because that's you know, a, a this and then a little bit later in the podcast, we'll get to our predictions for the PGA Tour season. Of 2016. Wonderful. But as we pick apart this list a little bit, it it is that is the most fascinating part when you see that some people what some people have ranked ahead of a, another course. When you just think, if you gave me 100 rounds of golf, I'd play 100 rounds of that course or 99 to one. Yeah. If I, if I hadn't played them already. Mm -hmm. Um. So you've been to Royal County Down. I have. It's a justifiable number one selection. Well, of course, I haven't been to most of the other courses. It's extraordinary. Yeah. It is beautiful. It is extremely great in every way. But, you know, even a course like that, it's not without a couple of clunker holes. 
and at least one hmm. clunker hole. The course is extremely good. It's an it's a links course, pure links course, on the northeast coast of Ireland. It's it's as pure as golf gets. It's classic golf. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. But there's a, the seventeenth hole at this golf course has this bizarre water hazard. It's like it's a lake in the middle of the fairway that is almost like a, a, a hole that you would see at a muni in in northern Florida. And it's totally bizarre. Uh-huh. They could just get rid of it and fill it in as far as I'm concerned. And then the 18th hole is this long par 5 that is... Um, it's it's not a bad hole off the tee, and it's it's very difficult, very hard with the wind. But then the green is is in my opinion a little bit oversloped. So you have Royal County down. It's an incredibly gorgeous, beautiful golf course, perfect in every way except it has it's it has a bad finish. So, in my opinion, so even that course is not perfect. But quite frankly, I can find something I disagree with about every golf course sure. that I know a significant amount about. Augusta? Mm. <laughs> it's harder. You, just, you just got a big schoolboy heart on for Augusta National, which... I do. I do. It's, it's n- nothing wrong with that, considering it is number two in the rankings. 17 at Augusta is boring. Um, let's see. Is there, are, there are a couple of greens at Augusta that are a little too severe. That That's, I guess, a minor criticism. But that's also actually becoming extremely common, especially a lot of newer designs where architects have a little more leeway to kind of do what they want with the golf course. You're seeing a lot more kind of intense, yeah. severely sloped greens with a lot of really penalizing aprons and things like that where you know putts are rolling the, 15, 20 what, yards off greens. There, there are a couple of bad holes at Augusta, and mostly because of the greens. I think that it's very well laid off the tee. Number nine at Augusta is a joke. Every single Masters. It is so, so sloped, and there's that bunker. And if you come off the front, you're down into the gully. It's where Tiger Woods' dreams of the you know Masters comeback fell to a fiery death, much like that plane in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> and uh, you know that, that green is totally out of control. It's out of control. Uh, the the par three on the front has a green that's out of control. Uh, is this the, the, the second best wor- course in the world you're talking about, Casey? Well, it is. It is. And 16, which is a really good hole, the par three. It's a terrific hole. Mm-hmm. Really well designed. That back right hole location is totally ridiculous. But, you know, that that's a quibble compared to the other problems. The ninth green is the biggest problem at Augusta. The 17th has no creativity to it. Um, what are your thoughts on 18 as a finishing hole? It's not a great finishing hole. Uh, I actually it, kind of like it. It's nice and challenging. It's It's got a nice amphitheater around 18. It's mm-hmm. great for hosting the Masters. It's not a f- it's not a dog leg around a body of water. It is a dog leg. Not around a body of no, water. It's a, not. A three-shot dog leg around like, the water. I like the shoot off the tee. I think, I, I, I think it's not a bad hole. Um it's, it's been the stage of a lot of spectacularly historic golfing moments. It it the has. golf has not taken away from that, which is 
tough to do considering the it's just a little bit boring but it's not a bad hole it's a good hole okay so augusta national was second it moved up in the list it was third last year second this year royal county down was fourth last year and jumped to first which leads me to my question to you is are they changing it just for shits and giggles no the reason why royal county down jumped up is because it hosted the irish open it doesn't host that tournament very often it hadn't been there in a long time. It doesn't ordinarily host any significant tournaments. It hosted the Walker Cup uh, a few years ago where Ricky Fowler played in it and a lot of other you know, future stars. But Royal County Down doesn't host the Open Championship hardly ever. First of all, it hardly ever goes to Ireland, but I don't think it's been to the Royal... The Irish Championship hardly is ever in Ireland? I'm sorry, the, the Open Championship. Right, okay, yeah. I don't know. Has it been at Royal County? And Down? quite frankly, the Irish Open is very rarely at Royal County Down, even though it's the best course in Ireland. It's 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 hard to access. It's on the coast. It's the, the road system and the logistics. It could never host an Open Championship because it would be hell on earth for people to attend this tournament in such big numbers. When I hosted, or excuse me, when I visited the Irish Open. The logistics of it were mind-numbingly terrible. Hmm. And I think it's just there's no way around it. It doesn't have the infrastructure that you need to host a tournament of that magnitude. Hmm. But the reason that it jumped up to one is because it did host a major tournament. It got attention. People have always known how great of a golf course it is. It was number four, but then it hosts the Irish Open. People remember it. Rory McIlroy is there. Ricky Fowler. I saw Ricky Fowler chip in for Eagle. It was amazing. Wow, that does sound uh, quite nice, actually. Ernie Els and Miguel Angel Jimenez and the cigar. And it was it was really enjoyable. <laughs> uh, it does sound pretty nice. But people remembered that it existed, and people saw some of the best players in the world on it, and that's why. It's a fucking gorgeous golf course. It's beautiful. It, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, in terms of watching golf, Maybe not necessarily playing it. It'd be tough to beat it. And I'm sure if, you know, whenever we do end up playing it, which will be at some point. I was um, I was given a round of golf there as a Christmas present. So I do have that in my back pocket. Get the fuck out of I here. I do have that, that is. going for me, which is nice. Well, I will get my funds together so when you need somebody to come with you and play, yeah. I'll be right there by your side. If, too, uh, if, too, if, if I'm invited, that is. Too bad I don't have a pot to piss in. <laughs> so... I would, you know, once you, uh, <clears throat> once your legal career takes off, you know, once you get that time off in like seven or eight years from now, I'd be happy to uh, play with you. Sir. All right, perfect. Yes, perfect. Well, as we go a little bit down the list here, so we had Royal County down at one, Augusta at two, Pine Valley at three. Pine Valley fell back from one to three. Yeah, because who knows what that course is even like? I mean, I've seen pictures of it. It looks really cool, but mm-hmm. you know. If you are fighting tooth and nail for your obscurity, then eventually people are going to forget whether your, your course is great or not. Everything I've seen from it, it just looks like the most buttery golf course I've ever seen. Yeah. And I've... Can it's I, not, can it's I tell not you? As, it's not as scenic <clears throat> as many of the other courses at the top of the list. It looks quite gorgeous. I mean, despite the fact it's in New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia, it is remarkably gorgeous it's carved into forest is it not it is so sand dunes sand dunes with 
The golf holes themselves Forest are very dunes, picturesque, but in terms of the land, you know, it's not like Cypress, of course, or even Royal County Down. But and some people would argue that going through the forest is more beautiful than being on the ocean. Oh, who argues that? Well, I, there are those okay, people out there. Fine, fair enough. It, it does look awesome, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, George Crump, who built it and died before it was finished, you know, it was his little baby. He was like a, ho- you know, a hotel owner. Back then, and it was just like his life's work. He decided he wanted to build the greatest golf course ever. And he brought in guys like uh, Colt, Tillinghouse, you know, George Thomas, guys who designed Olympic Club, all right? San Francisco Country Club. Uh, what, what, uh, I'm blanking out on uh, awesome Tillinghouse designs. Um, what is it? Aurora Medina, mm-hmm. Beth Page. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, so... I mean, and it, that that golf course has fingerprints from some of the greatest architects ever to design courses in America, all with a little bit of a something on that golf course. And the product looks awesome. And if, can I tell you how much I've been nerding out the last couple uh, days? Sure can. I am currently reading a book. Oh Christ! Called Dream Golf. It is a uh, book about the creation of the Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. Oh, that sounds but, good, actually. But also with a big backstory on Mike Kaiser, the owner and the developer, and okay. his backstory and all the stuff associated and all the people that went into creating the resort who, oddly enough, now that I'm reading this, I'm starting to see these people's names everywhere, all over the golf industry, and how it's crazy that the people that were there when that golf resort was first built, that was so monumental for them that they it just their careers exploded. And well, now, right. Well, well deserved. What but, a home run. But Mike Kaiser... He will vouch that Pine Valley is one of the two best golf courses that he's ever played. And the crazy thing about that is his whole inspiration for the whole way that he likes to build golf resorts is based on Lynx golf. You know, the golf he experienced when he was going to England and Ireland and, and stuff like that. Yet, he will still say that the two best golf courses he's ever played are Pine Valley and National. Yeah, and I can't say anything negative about Pine Valley. I've certainly never played it. It Nor have I ever seen live golf from Pine Valley. That's that's the problem, isn't it? It is. Is, is that that is the problem as well? Of course, well. it is. It it is. It's over seven thousand fifty-seven yards there par seventy. Some of the most beautiful paintings in the world by famous artists, masters, are in private collections, and a few of them have never been in museums. Occasionally, private collectors will loan their artwork to an exhibit that you know is concerning a certain subject but there are rembrandts and you know van goghs that have never been photographed and that nobody knows what they look like what good does that do anybody dickheads (laughs) (laughs) and and we might they might be the greatest works of art in history they might literally we just don't that know. might be why they're private. But how am I supposed to say that? What a what a genius comparison thing. Well, all right. So that being said, Pine Valley is third. Cypress is fourth. Cypress dropped from two to four. Pine Valley was at one. Cypress was at two. And those have dropped now dropped to three and four with Augusta and Royal County down bumping up to one and two. Okay. So those two have kind of switched places. Number five. This is where I start to have a little bit of a problem. Number five. What Scottish course is number five? Oh, please. Um, it's not the old course. Is it Carnoustie? 
It's fucking Royal Dornick. Really? That's that's not right. It's not right. You, I've played the old course. When I played it, granted, I played it when I was 15, and so I, d- I didn't have the appreciation for architecture and all the stuff like that that I do now. Um, and when I played it, I was like, that is a weird fucking golf course. Like, that is a strange golfing experience. Well, you were right. It is. I mean, it's a straight, but... It's super cool. It's so cool. And it's, it's unlike not, anything else you'll ever play. It's not so much that that the old course needs to be number five, but Royal Dornick. I mean. well, it, the problem, the reason that I feel like you have to put St. Andrews so high is not necessarily because it is the greatest golf course, because I would argue there's a lot of golf courses that if I had to choose one golf course to play over and over again for the rest of my life, it wouldn't be the old course. There are courses that I choose over it. But because that course is the inspiration and is the reason that so many wonderful golf courses and specifically golf holes were built the way that they are is because of those 18 holes. It's true. That that alone... Often imitated, never duplicated. Right. That alone should be reason for it to be the number one Scottish course on the list, and it's not. Yeah. What about Trump Turnberry? <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> uh, I actually don't know if it made the list. Well, I, I really don't. I, I have to look all the way down. It, I, I, it very well may have missed. Among the courses that host the Open, it wasn't held in the the highest esteem anyway. Hmm. Let me see here. Okay, Dornick, five. Jumping up a couple of spots, Mackenzie's Australian masterpiece at Royal Melbourne, mm-hmm. number six. I don't have a problem with that. That's a cool golf course. I don't have any problem with that. I've at all. seen. Plenty of golf from there over the years, and it really is a cool course. I like that course a lot. <clears throat> it looks fantastic. I would love to play that course I would, uh, frequently. Although I have never played it from everything I've heard about it and all the, the pictures that I've nerded out on looking at. Wh- that that I love the question. Cool. that I, It's a lot like Augusta. When you ask somebody, you can only play one golf course for the rest of your life. That's a, that's a question you really have to think about because... A golf course might be incredible the first 10 times you play it, and then it might get a little stale. Mm-hmm. What What is, you know, what's a golf course that 300 times in, you're still really excited to go play it? For you, I mean, Augusta, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's probably it's probably the answer for most people. happens to be my answer to pretty much everything. <sighs> but Royal Melbourne, from everything I've heard, yeah. is a course that would happily and easily meet that requirement. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, Melbourne, six. Shinnecock, seven. It's a great golf course. Really fantastic. The old course, eight. Okay. Muirfield. Okay. That's very nine. I like that course. This is a pretty good list so far with a couple of weirdness. Marion, ten. I like Marion a lot. It's not. I wouldn't put it that high, but it's it's a really good course. It's not the courses in the top ten that I have so much of a problem with. It is just the specific ranking of the ten in, in the order at which they set them. That's you can't have the old course be not the best Scottish links. I think that Muirfield is be- a better golf course than uh, the old course. I'm contradicting the fuck out of myself tonight because I was talking to you earlier about how history shouldn't play a part in uh, a ranking and then I went <laughs> off on this fucking awful tangent about the old course and its meaning to golf and why it should be ranked higher. I really, Muir, need, to get, probably, I really need to get my shit together. Yeah, Muirfield's got to be higher. 
It's just it's just a, a more well-rounded course. I wouldn't argue. It has to be above Dornick, right? It does. And so does the old course, doesn't it? Have to be. Yeah, sure, it does. I know it, it. It's a little tough to say where these courses should be without having played all of them. But you know, nerding out on pictures and reading articles and reviews and all that kind of stuff like that, you can only speculate. But it, it this just doesn't seem right. I think the only way to really get to the bottom of this is for me to be given free passes to all of these courses. Uh, so Golf Digest and uh, Golf Magazine, if all you of want you. Us, if you want us to stop bad-mouthing your methodology, you're going to have to cut us into this. This is absolutely true. Consider this extortion. Necessary. Consider this your final warning. Mm-hmm. This fucks. <laughs> We're going to tell all 73 people <laughs> that they should not <laughs> respect Royal Dornick as much as you do. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to blast through the second 10 for you real quick, and then I'll get your thoughts on them afterwards. Is that cool? Yes. 11. Oakmont. 12. Pebble Beach Golf Links. 13. National Golf Links of America. 14. Winged Foot. 15. Fisher's Island Club. 16. Cape Kidnappers. In New Zealand. 17. Sand Hills Golf Club. 18. Kingston Heath in Australia. 19. Brand new to the list and to all rankings, Cabot Cliffs in Nova Scotia. And number 20. Golf de Morfontaine in France. Uh, okay. What? Where do I start with that? What the fuck is that? <laughs> what is going on? What can... Ha- oh, my God. By the way, I, I'm totally wrong. I, as I scroll down the list a little bit, Trump Turnberry is at number 22. Okay. But Trump little. Turnberry is behind all the courses that I just mentioned before that. Did they list it as Trump Turnberry? They did. Of course, it's the name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just fucking hit my face on the microphone. <laughs> yes. As I just fucking bowed my head. There were a million problems with that last list that you read. Right? Yeah. It's fucked. It's totally fucked. It's it's Golf de Morfontaine. I'm sure it's wonderful. Nobody even knows what that is. I'm sorry. Nobody knows what it is. Cabot Cliffs? Nobody knows. Yeah. I know what it is, but... Nobody knows it. Uh, New Zealand? So... The one in New Zealand, Cape Kidnappers. Have you have you heard anything about it? No. It's the Tom Doak course that he built. Uh, pretty. Tom like, Doak is really good. Like within a couple of years, right after he built Pacific Dunes, he built this course. Maybe only one or two years later, and opened up. I think three years later. I mean, it's right as he was really, you know, he had already, he'd already one of written these the books. He designed Pacific, and then once he's designed Pacific, everybody's like, "Oh shit, Tom Doak." Is it one of Is it one of these? I will say this. Scenic coastal courses. I think it has more to do with the location. Of course. Maybe than it does with the course itself. No, but it, it doesn't seem to me like anybody's ever been given um, a space like this to build a golf course. Because if you take, you know, if you take a look, mm. it's one of these courses where these oh, random golf holes are just built on these little jetties of cliffs that I, you know, uh, shoot out towards I, the ocean d- d- and doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. It doesn't. When you think about the courses that it's ranked above, that's when it doesn't make any sense to me. It, I'm sure it is a completely 
amazing golfing experience. I think everybody is kind of attracted to the idea of fitting a golf course into the landscape and doing, you know, not and that's do, how it should be. Not you, doing more earth moving than you have to. That, to and make that's, a golf and that's how fit. it should be. That the greatest golf courses were built with limited land movement. Yes, but at some point, you know, we're we're falling into gimmickry. I, that that one, yeah, I, I would agree with that. The other, you know, what one I actually have a problem with is winged foot. I think winged foot is a boring place to watch tournaments at. I like winged foot. I think it might be a little higher than it should be, but it's. I I think it's a good golf course. It's like Firestone, winged oh, foot. It's all not the, like Firestone. All this shit looks the same to me. It's not like Firestone. <sighs> We're gonna have to agree to disagree. Uh, Fisher's Island Club, Seth Maynard design. Get out of here. Get out. <laughs> Throw it in the garbage. <laughs> National Golf Links of America is an extraordinary golf course. Fisher's Island, whatever the hell you're, what, whatever that is, get out of my face with that. It's, I mean, here's the thing. Seth Rayner, who designed it, I was s- like Charles Bear McDonald's seen, kind of understudy. I've seen pictures of that golf course. It doesn't impress me. It does not look. Shania Twain could sum it up. It doesn't <laughs> impress me much, that <laughs> golf course. I... I would have to agree. And also, I read something that they actually don't have a modern irrigation system there because they want to keep the old original design intact. Yeah, yeah keep that up. Dicks. <laughs> so, uh, San- National, National Golf Links at 13 seems low, too, doesn't it? You mean two? That's too low. It should be in the top 10. I think it could be in the top 10. There are a lot of good courses in the top 10. I think it's about at the right at the right position. Uh, I think it could be higher than Pebble. Yeah. Pebble's a nice golf course, but... It's got its weirdness, and it's... It sure does, yeah. You know, nobody thinks it's... I, I don't even think it's the second best course in Monterey. I think Spyglass is better than Pebble, and not by a ton, but... A lot of people would argue that the problem with Spyglass is the back nine is completely forgettable. It's not. No. No. It's an, it, it has some bad holes, too. It's not perfect, sure. but there are some great holes on the back nine there. And, of course, the front nine's better. And but the back nine is the forest nine. You can't discount... That uh, the couple of courses at Monterey Peninsula Country Club are beautiful. They are and wonderful. Um, I haven't played Poppy since it was redesigned, but it's supposed to be fantastic. It can't be that good, can it? It's supposed to be awesome. Is it the same layout? No. Oh, really? I mean, they, they, I think the whole the routing is the same, but the holes have been completely changed. There are a couple of really great holes out there, but you know, it's not a great course. It's interesting that Robert Trent Jones Jr. as you know golf has progressed and the you know the desire to have golf courses designed a specific way has changed how he's just had to completely abandon everything that he used to do and basically cater to this whole natural golf movement yeah, where it, it seems like yeah, you know it's not right you, you know that he doesn't want to do it at all but he's only doing it because the market demands it absolutely not <laughs> that's good uh, uh, let's see well sand hills that is an amazing golf course that might be the best golf course designed in the last 40 years and it was actually a big part of the inspiration for band and of Dune course it is because when dick Youngcap, it's basically the same name well when when he built it nobody had ever built a golf course that they intended to be one of the greatest in the country in a remote location the whole field of dreams if you build it they will come motto that was the very first course to ever do it and it was still tough for them to get the funding together to do it but after it happened, and you know, Mike Kaiser played the golf course and realized how unbelievable it was, that's where he kind of got the last little bit of confidence to be, you know, think to himself, you know, building a really great golf course in a remote location, this can work. And so Sand Hills is a really big 
important golf course in terms of the history of golf architecture in America for what it means for the next 20 to 30 years. Yeah, it obviously had a major influence. And have they not hosted amateur competitions there? I think that's as far as they've gotten in terms of hosting big events. I, I think so. I mean, well, that's yeah. probably like Walker Cups or so, something. I, I'm not actually I think sure they might be scheduled to host something big in the next few years. I'm they not should. sure. I mean, it's, it it's a par 71. It's almost 7,100 yards. It shouldn't. Good for spectators, too, is it not? It's out in the, the Nebraska Sandhills. I mean, right. the, the problem with having a big tournament there would most certainly just be the infrastructure. Well, with hotels. Yeah, exactly. But in terms of the viewing experience, you'd have it. Exactly. Maybe uh, we could put people up in tents. That'd be an experience. <laughs> Kingston Heath in Australia. Nobody's even heard of that either. It's considered an Alstrom McKenzie design, but an Australian pro what designed is, the does course. Does it host anything? Um, not that I can... Not, it doesn't yeah, list anything I mean, in the description. I have to admit I'm not uh, an expert on Australian golf. No, as as am I. And then uh, Cabot Cliffs, we'll see. It, it may become... It may very well become the Cypress of the East Coast. It, okay. it it looks like it has that kind of potential, especially when it grows in and it matures. It may very well be that. It it does look unbelievably at least, spectacular. At least it's a course you might theoretically play in your life, unlike Cypress. True. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's probably not in as great a shape because of it. Well, true. Very, very true. All right, let's take a look here. Your bladder's feeling a little small right now? Well, I'm not sure about that. It could be the excessive amount of liquid that's in there. All right. Let's take a quick bathroom break. Yes. Yeah, that bathroom break was really... Oh, I feel so that, relaxed. Isn't that beautiful? Through the magic of oh, uh, of recording, God. it's like we went all the way to the bathroom, pissed, got another beer, and, and kind of started relaxing well, you all, know, all in a matter of no seconds. We're, we're doing this podcast from a pretty thorough desk, and we could urinate here at the microphone without any kind of genital exposure. So that might be a thing to consider down the road. The power of radio. Right. Yeah. Or podcasting. Yeah. But it's radio podcasting. It's more or less the same thing. All right. I guess uh, to the rest of this list, we'll, we'll go a little quicker because a lot of these, but just keep in mind, the thing that I constantly thought about when I read through this list for the first time, as I saw, you know, I, as I read the names of the courses, I just kept thinking about some of the names that I had already read and thinking to myself, was that really ahead? It's just like whenever Maxim Magazine does a 50 hottest chicks in the world list. It's like, what are they thinking? It's not, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Number 21, Hirono Golf Club in Hyogo, Japan. Come on. You know what? Uh, forget it. I'll, I'll talk about this later. <laughs> that was 21. 22, Trump Turnberry Resort. Number 23, Sunningdale. 24, Another brand new golf course, Cape Wickman Links in King Island, Tasmania, Australia. Interesting. Number 25, Port Marnock in, uh, in Dublin, Ireland. 26, Carnoustie. So some Cape Wickers bullshit in Australia is better than Carnoustie. Uh, yeah, we, we, all, we all knew that. 27, Royal Portrush. Portrush. Excuse me. 28, Seminole. 29, another new golf course in Australia, Ellerston. And number 30, New South Wales Golf Club. Oh, my God. Australia is very strong what, showing what in the top 30. In, what is happening? 
maybe there's just a lot of sneaky this good golf list, in Australia. This list is out of control. Now, the my only, just to play devil's advocate here a little bit, none of us have ever played any of these courses no. in Australia. No. Maybe they're awesome. Maybe. Mm. Royal Melbourne's the only one I've ever heard of. Of course. Uh, yeah. It it just seems a little crazy that there's so many of those that got ranked ahead of Carnoustie. And to think that, like, Carnoustie and Seminole are, like, right there on the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Donald Ross designed Seminole, but it's still in Florida. And that should automatically lose you at least 15 or 20 slots. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I don't know where to start. It's pretty awful. If you want, I can go another 10, and then you have a little... Yeah, you know, a yeah. Something a little yeah. more to digest here. Oh, my God. What was that course in China? No course in China. There was uh, the one course in Japan, which was ranked oh, 21. Oh, sorry. Thought, okay. <laughs> was Hirono... What? Uh, is that... <laughs> I know a bunch of social justice warriors will come after me for pronouncing... Well, hey, you, you lived accent. in South Korea for many years. That's very adjacent to Japan. Uh, it's close. All right. Number 31... Alistair McKenzie's Midwestern Masterpiece at Crystal Downs. Okay. Behind all of those courses. Mm-hmm. 32. The first 18-hole golf course in America designed by C.B. McDonald at Chicago Golf Club. Mm-hmm. 33. Barnbogle Dunes in Australia. Another Tom Doak design right after he designed Pacific. I think that's actually another Mike Kaiser golf course. Okay. 34. Muirfield Village. Jack's greatest accomplishment not in a major. 35, Royal Brookdale. 36, Oak Hill. 37, a brand new course in China called Shanqin Bay. Brand new. Brand new golf course. Oh, Although, man, again, what are, we, what are we doing in this world? It is a Bill Corbin Crenshaw design. So okay. oh, wait, is it really? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, those guys get around. <laughs> those guys are really... They're getting pimped out <laughs> globally. <laughs> the dudes are all over the place. Uh, brand new. Brand new. 38. Even a core Crenshaw that's brand new, I'm not about to anoint. Those guys are pretty good. But yeah. I, no, I, I agree. 38, Oakland Hills. Yeah. 39. All the way down here. 39 is Pacific Dunes. Oh, boy. Bandon Dunes' very first check-in on this list. It's not even worthy of one of the 38 best golf courses See, in the world. That yeah. is bullshit. That is such Don't you hot, see, dirty bullshit. On, on every other list in the last eight years that I've seen, the Bandon Resort has two courses in the top 30. And it should. Right. It should. I mean, that that is the... And, and in the public courses list... It, Bandon has usually four courses <coughs> in the top 30, at well, least. In the U.S. public list, all four courses of Bandon are pretty much in the top 10. I, I know recently all four of them are in the top 10 in terms of public courses yeah. in the United States. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, as far as golf courses go, they're better than that. The only reason that they don't get the other press is because they can't be kept in as good a shape because they have so many people playing it every day. And for how many people play those courses every day and how— and then you think about the shape that they're in. They're incredible. They're absolutely incredible. For 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 Pacific not to be ranked higher than 39 is kind of a crime. What's number 40? 40 is Barnbogle Lost Farm. Once again in Australia. 
That being I, said, I guess I have to go to Australia and play golf for three months. That's <laughs> that, that. That's kind of what I'm gathering as I go through this list. I'm like, there's I, no there's no yeah. arguing that Australia is a major golf country. They're a golf loving folk. <laughs> um, they've been. It has some of the finest links land that's still available to build on, and I think that's why a lot of these courses that you're seeing are designs that have been built in the last twenty years. A lot of them newer than that. But because that's the only place where, you know, links, dunes, you know, that's very specific type of terrain that is perfect for golf. It's one of the very few places where there's still that land available to build golf courses on. And after they do it, it, it might be one of those things where it's just hard to build a bad golf course when you get land like that. There's something to be said for that. The more natural beauty you have, the better your golf course is going to be as an experience. And the sandy land is great for golf in general. It's for perfect. a lot of reasons. I mean, it really is perfect. Yeah. Man. I'll say Australia. But you know what? There, there's Coming up big. There's a, a tremendous bias in this list against kind of parkland, old-fashioned... American kind of courses. You had a couple of them, the ones that host the U.S. Open all the time. And those are really the only ones that got on the list. And most of them are kind of that Long Island, Sandy Dune kind of scene. Mm -hmm. You don't see any courses on it. You, got, you saw the on ones that, that aren't. Ma you, Mar you saw um, Oak Hill is right there. It's like a very, very typical You saw the, the Nicholas. The Muirfield Nic Village. Muirfield right Village there. was the only one that Really Chicago Golf Club. Yeah, okay. Kind of. Yes, exactly. So those two. Those are the only ones that are on there so far. You had a few of them, like um, it was Oak Hill on that last. Yeah. So you, you got a handful of them. But only creeping in in the 36 to 40 range. And, it, it, you know, it's a little late for courses like that. I think that's a great style of golf. Yeah. Although it's hard to argue with any of the... Scottish and Irish entries in the list too, be just because you've actually got to see him play the British Open there, you're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I don't know why no, I have I, I don't know why I have the bias where when I read a list from Australia, I'm like, really? Right. But then if I see one of those over there that I also haven't played, I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, the Australia courses and you know non-British Isles courses, non-American courses suffer from not hosting majors. And that is a disadvantage. I know that the Ryder Cup was just awarded to a course in Rome. And, the, I mean, I, I don't even, I've never even heard of this course. Do Italians play golf? I didn't. There's, <laughs> the, the Molinaris are the only Italians who've ever held golf clubs, as far <laughs> as I know. Uh, and they're both good, but, you know. I... Yeah. And I just uh, thought they know. made nice cured meats and yeah, got drunk. I'd yeah, and aren't there? What about these? Uh, well, forget it. I, I, I've I lost my will to argue. I'll start blasting through the list a little bit more to finish out the top fifty. Saint George's Golf and Country Club in Ontario, Canada. Blow me. Forty-two. The Country Club. <laughs> get, in Massachusetts. Get out of your own asshole. Uh, Forty-three. The Links at Fan Court. In South Africa, the first African entry on the list. 44, 
the ocean course at Kiwa Island. God, I hear that place. Another just horrible sucks. golf course. Uh, 45, Royal St. George's. Okay. 46, another new golf course on the list called Yas Links in Abu Dhabi. Oh, Abu Dhabi. A Kyle Phillips design. It can't be good. It can't. It can't. The people who fund courses in Abu Dhabi, it just can't be good. It can't. I'm sorry. I, I just don't understand it. Yas Links is part of a massive Arabian Gulf entertainment complex what about that features Wolf? Formula One racetrack. How what can about, that be on this where, list? Where, where's Wolf Creek? Oh, Wolf Creek is a bunch of bullshit. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought all you needed to do was build it in some desert where a bunch of rich people are, and you got <laughs> on the list. <laughs> 47, Royal Porthcall. I haven't heard of it. In Wales. Looks great, though. The pictures look this awesome. This is like the hipster golf list if there ever was one 48 it's wade one. hampton in north carolina yeah, and 49 kawari cliffs in new zealand okay i have I have a statement to make and 50 is north berwick there's a top 50 this list smacks of hipsterism yeah and hipsterism and golf you can't be old you can't be american <laughs> you can't be popular <laughs> If you're old, American, and popular, you are not high on the list. This is this is the pitchfork list of the best golf courses in the world. Uh, is it not? Now that you mention it, it does feel that way, doesn't it? It is the NME Magazine uh, <laughs> Mercury Award pitchfork. <laughs> My goodness gracious. That is what we're dealing with. This is just awful. This is fucking and, and awful. you know we have to. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna claw back a little. I'm sure all these courses are really fun to play and they're really enjoyable. But if you're, gonna, it wouldn't be on the list if they weren't. But if you're gonna purport to be ranking these courses and saying that the one that's higher is better than the one that's lower, what are we talking about here? What are your criteria? It's, it is hipsterism run amok. It is this drive to put out a list that is different than the 25 lists that you've put out in the last 25 years. So you're obligated to take shots at diminishing courses that you've given praise in the past for no particular reason and elevating courses that you have no idea whether they're really that good or not based on a whim. It's <sighs> wild. Now, marketing. I'll, I'll blast through the last 50 rather quickly and just keep in mind that all the going to read all 50 about. of these? My God. Well, uh, we'll I won't we'll, say a thing. Mow them no, 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 no. down. If, if you, if when I read something off that you're like, what the fuck? Why okay. is that that low? All right, I'll pipe feel, up. feel free to jump in anytime you want. But all right. I'll, I'll uh, more quickly go through these last 50. Whistling Straits. Straits Terri- course, terrible, golf, terrible golf course. 52. Diamante Golf Course in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Oh, okay. 53. Friar's Head. The Core Crenshaw private course out on Long Island that in all of the U.S. lists of the top courses in the U.S., it's always ranked around 10 to 12. See, you say Core Crenshaw and you say Long Island, and I'm inclined to think that's probably pretty buttery. But I don't know anything if about it. If you saw it. any of these pictures, you'd say, wow, Kyle, I would give happily give one of my testicles to go play golf there. I'd give some Friar's Head to play there, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> all right. That looks nice. <laughs> oh, That's great. Uh, let's see here. So, 54, Trump International in Scotland. 55, Royal Melbourne East Course 
Mackenzie's other course down in Royal Melbourne. 56, Casa de Campo in the Dominican Republic. 57. Oh, I had to go 57 spots before I got to Riviera. <laughs> Riviera is a nice course. <laughs> it really is. 58, Sentosa Golf Course in the Republic of Singapore. Also a new entry on the list. 59, Prairie Dunes in Hutchinson, Kansas. Number 60. We had to go 60 slots before we got finally got to a golf course that you've played. <laughs> I'm not even sure I've played this one. Los Angeles Country Club. Ah, there we go. It's a cool golf course. Very cool. Do you think there's 59 golf courses in the world that are better? Yeah, I do. But I don't <laughs> think they're the 59 that we've listed. I... <laughs> I think the Los Angeles Country Club is comfortably in the the fifty range, but okay. you know a lot so of weird kind of choices ahead of it. Yeah, so it's ranked sixty, number sixty one, Swinley Forest in Berkshire, England. Okay, sixty two, another new entry to the list, the Elotion Club in Roland, Arkansas. It does look pretty nice. It says here in the description. It gives us a hint of what Augusta National would have looked like had Bobby Jones established his dream course in hilly Atlanta. Okay, whatever. I've heard a little bit about that course. I think I've seen pictures, and they were very nice. Yeah. Uh, 63. We finally get to Donald Ross's crowning achievement at Pinehurst Number 2. Mm. I'm, not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Pinehurst Number 2. I would love to play there. But for some reason, like you, maybe it just doesn't do it for me. But I still think it's probably a better golf course than a lot of the ones that were listed before. I'm sure it is. And, you know, let me make a brief point about pictures. Because for so many of us who don't work in the golf industry, who aren't professional golfers, Mm -hmm. we're not going to play these courses. Or we're going to play them over the course of many, many years. So all we really have to go off of is statements and information and photographs sure and you you know i put a lot of stock into photographs and i understand that there's a lot of peril in that because we've all seen the pictures that our local courses and the courses we play take of themselves to market to the public Mm -hmm. and they don't really look like anything that you actually see when you're there Mm -hmm. if you have a skilled photographer or you pick a certain shot, it doesn't convey what the course is really like. And often for a really gorgeous golf course, no picture is going to do it justice. Not even justice, but descriptive accuracy. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, Bennett Valley, which is a my home course, regular Muni, really nice golf course for what it is. I, I enjoy playing it. But in the marketing images, you see that approach shot to one. And... It's not like the rest of the course. It makes it seem like you're going to play this creaky kind of Bidwell Parkish <laughs> kind of layout, and it's not like Powerful that. Bidwell it's Park not Park like that. It's just not. And uh, the creek comes into play in Bennett Valley, but you don't cross it mm-hmm. in any significant way yeah. on any other hole. Uh, you just don't. So it's you, you. You take the scenic and you make it seem typical. Yes, the whole course is like this. Right. No. Okay. So we got that going on. 64 Kawana Hotel golf course in Ito Shizuka 
Prefecture, Japan. Oh boy. 64. Uh, Lahainik. Is that it? What? Lahinch? No. Yeah, I think it is Lahinch. Lahinch in County Clare, Ireland. Mm -hmm. Uh, 66, National Golf Course of Canada. 67, Southern Hills. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. That actually is Southern, new to the list. Southern that Hills jumped, is, that jumped up. That was not even ranked in the top 100. Somebody last year. screwed up because <laughs> that that's a really good golf course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perry Maxwell is is a G. I give him that. The more boring the name, the better the course. Usually, Oakmont, Augusta. That's well. Okay, forget Pine it. Pine Valley. Pine Valley. Exactly. You you get the mundane name. National. You, yeah, golf right. links this is what I'm talking about. If you're pretentious enough to just take a word and call it the go if you called your golf course the <laughs> it's probably a great <laughs> golf course, really. It probably would be really good. The golf course. The, the golf course. <laughs> country club. At Brooklyn. Tell, you know, the country club the to country shove club. it up his ass. Yes. One up you. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Actually, sixty eight reminds me of something. It's a little odd. So 68 69 is reminds me of something. <laughs> yeah, All right. Yes. Anyway, let's go ahead. By the way, 69, Kings Barnes in Scotland. Okay. That's, Played a, good, it. that's a nice golf Amazing. course. Yes. Um, but number 68, Gauzer Ranch Golf and Lake Club in Henderson, Idaho. Tom Fazio course. Tom Fazio in the top 100 in America has as many entries as anybody else. But the problem is none of his courses are in the top 10 because he's the master of a of the resort course. You know, uh, he designed uh, uh, the Wind Course in Vegas and a lot of other uh, Shadow Creek. I think it's all of is the that what it is? all yeah. of the preeminent resort courses in America. Tom Fazio seems like he's designed them, and all the courses seem to be amazing. But not for some reason they lack some little element that keeps a lot of the rankers from saying it's too good many, enough. Too to many be. fake waterfalls. At at the very least, right. uh, but this place that he built in. Um, Idaho, kind of near Coeur d'Alene, mm -hmm. um, looks pretty incredible. I mean, it, it definitely looks a little bit artificial, but it's in a very beautiful, natural, scenic setting, which makes it look really, really gorgeous. It's the playboy of golf architects. But that being said, because this is the world list, and there's you know, links courses are allowed here, his very first entry doesn't, you know, he's not here until '68. Yeah. Tells you what he's uh, how he ranks among the world golfing community. It's disfavored. Uh, Sixty nine Kings Barnes, Kyle Phillips second design on this on this Yas Links in Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. That was one of his newer designs, but he also designed Kings Barnes. Mm. Let's see here. Seventy Cabo del Sol in Mexico by Mister Jack Nicholas. Seventy one. <laughs> Your accents are, are classic. Thanks, man. Thank Thanks. Yeah. Valderrama in Spain. Yeah, Valderrama is a good golf course. Especially for tournaments. Yeah. I was expecting that it might be a little higher. Original Robert Trent Jones design. It lo looks pretty awesome. Uh, the Honors Course in Utawa, Tennessee. Okay. The fuck is that? Yeah, I've heard of that, but don't know anything about it. 73, Shadow Creek in Vegas. Okay. What I didn't yet yeah, just mentioned that. It's not, it's not Wolf Creek? No, well... There's Wolf Run, is there, there is, not? There's, there's a, a Wolf. There's a, I think there's a Wolf Creek. Is there a Wolf I, Creek? Yeah, yeah. And that one. I was thinking of Shadow Creek. I think to when be it honest. I think when it first came out, it was. Um, people were like, "Wow, this is crazy!" Like, just nobody's ever built a golf course in a place like this. And then, 
the nostalgia where it wore off and everybody's kind of like oh, let's does no does thanks. that course not have the highest green fees of any public or resort course in the country? Shadow Creek in Vegas? Yes. Does. That's what um, I thought. I, I think it's second. I think Pebble's one. Really? Yeah, I think Pebble isn't Pebble like don't five fifty or something. Yeah, I, I I might be totally off here, but I I think Pebble's five thirty five or something like I that. Shadow that Creek's like five hundred flat. Okay. So Shadow Creek at seventy three, the new bluffs. Ho Tram Strip in <laughs> Vietnam is 74. Come on. That's not a real course, is it? It's designed by Greg fucking Norman. Well, then it can't be good either. Bitch. Did you see that he got canned from uh, announcing Fox Sports? He was bad. I, I heard he was audibly bad. Well, and y- considering that's the only way that you get to hear him there, it, <sighs> y- you can't be audibly bad and be he was the worst. an analyst. Joe Buck is a bad announcer, but he... He's he's adequate at football. He's bad at baseball. He's heinously bad at golf. Yeah. And he was better than Greg Norman. That's not good. That's not good at all. No. And and I, he was my favorite golfer when he was at the top of the pro game. Totally. Totally. Well, he, great golfer. Amazing. But the guy can't talk to save his life. It's... It's going to be curious to see what Fox does with their U.S. Open coverage this year. Azinger. Is it, has that been confirmed? No, but they need to. You really think Azinger would be the best? He's really good. And he's available? I don't know if he's available or not, but if you pay him the right amount of money, he's available. Mm. Man. It, 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 they, it, it's going to take a little... It's going to take something to get that thing fixed because... They need someone who can... Joe Buck, I actually... I used to really hate Joe Buck. You know, um, I actually think he's a pretty decent... Decent play-by-play guy. He's got the voice. He's not bad. He has a good voice. The only problem is he just doesn't have a lot of experience with golf. It doesn't seem like he plays a lot of golf, so it's hard. Golf is one of those sports where it is genuinely hard Joe Buck's father was a baseball announcer. Right. And you you listen to Joe Buck talk. I I think he's best at football, believe it or not. I think so, too. I think so, too. And he's not even that good at football, but he's, he's okay at it. Yeah. In baseball... He he is unable to add the enthusiasm that a baseball announcer needs to add to the game, and in golf he just doesn't know the he just doesn't know the sport. He doesn't yeah. know anything about it. Fox's broadcast has got to do an overhaul if they're going to get things right for the U.S. Open this year because Joe Buck they fucked up needs to get so replaced. Greg Norman was awful. Their one redeeming quality, my girl Holly Saunders, beautiful beautiful woman. I prefer the people she's interviewing. <laughs> Interview Gary Woodland a few times. <laughs> Just keep him there no matter what he shoots. Even if he misses the cut, interview him on Sunday. Different strokes, you know, that, and that's okay. That's right. <laughs> 70, all right, I'm, I'm going to jump back to the list here. We're, we're going to finish this thing real quick so we can move Joe on. Joe Buck is such an alluring topic, though. Uh, fuck Joe Buck. 76, Punta Espa in the Dominican Republic. 77, the lake course at Olympic Club. 78, Mem Mem Fremego Golf Club in Quebec, Canada. (laughs) Okay. 79, the club at Nine Bridges, which is in Jeju Island, South Korea. Have you been to that place? I have not been to this place. How big is South Korea Korea compared to a U.S. state? Small. Is it like the size of Missouri? Smaller. Really? Smaller. I would say that Korea 
Mm, in terms of square miles. Sa- South Korea? South Korea, yeah. Cause, right, yeah, forget um, it. <laughs> <laughs> South Korea, let's put it this way. South Korea to drive from the northern, from you know the, the DMZ. And South Korea is essentially a tilted rectangle. Yeah, yeah. It's a tilted rectangle. It's a quadrilateral. It's a rhombus. It, it certainly is. Uh, it is about five and a half hours to drive north to south. Okay. Border to border. And then from east to west, it takes about, if you have no traffic and you're driving in a straight line, probably takes two and a half hours. Mm. Interesting. It's not, not, that, not that big. No, it's not very big. It's essentially the size of California from the bay to L.A. Yes, but maybe even still a little smaller. Wow. Really, I mean, it's... Maybe, maybe yeah, okay. Maybe San Jose to mm-hmm. uh, the valley. Yeah, yeah it, it okay. seems Yeah, it seems about right. Yeah, damn, that's small. It's really small. Um, I'm actually surprised that there is a Korean course on the list. I heard rumors it about... It is a, an amazing golf country. It is a fantastic, fabulous golf country. There's a lot of golf, but the problem is that it's not affordable for anybody. Well, hey, you know, that's the same in America. Oh, no, let's here, be honest. Well, here's the problem, though. There's no, there's no such thing as municipal golf or low, um, you know, low-end daily fee golf courses. They just don't exist in Korea. I mean, I lived in Seoul for two years and change, and the cheapest public golf course you can go play in the Seoul metropolitan area, which there's no golf courses in the city of Seoul. You just you can't do it. The city's too densely populated. Mm-hmm. It's too built out. It, it just can't happen. So of all the metro areas surrounding Seoul, of which there are many, the cheapest daily fee golf course you can go play is about three hundred dollars. That's the cheapest. It's terrible. And there's you, a lot of driving range golf. Is that right? Well, actually, the most popular form of golf is screen golf. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's actually. I think it's something that actually could be really popular and it, it would be an awesome idea. It's a free business idea for anybody that's out there because if you do it, I'll come, I'll frequent your business, I'll promote it on the podcast, I'll, I'll, I will love you. Screen golf is huge and it's become a very social thing where the screen golf, there, there's one on every block in Seoul and they have you know four to eight rooms for each location where there's a number of courses you can choose from you know, it's like those they old full sets of golf clubs the the mats that you hit off of will adjust. They have hydraulic lifts in them to adjust to the slope that you're sitting on on your particular lie when you play your 18 holes. It's 15 to 20 bucks to play 18 holes. You know? And they have drinks there. You buy beers and everything there. You hang out with your three or four buddies in a room. You guys play around a golf in three or four hours. You get kind of drunk. It is a great time. It's Something a similar... That- Similar business model to those old porno booth theaters <laughs> that used to be so thriving. Uh, Except you're usually in a different... You, you used to be in different rooms from your buddies <laughs> in those places. But other than that, it's very similar. I'll tell you what, man. I, I think that business model in any first world country could be wildly successful. Well, you're, there's the whole top golf thing here in the United States, which and is And they're opening up similar. one in California. Mm-hmm. No, fi- there, no, there's one in uh, Vacaville or something. Yeah, they're, they're opening Roseville. up in Sacramento, Roseville area. Um, that's going to be the very first one in California. I'm excited. I thought it was open already, is it not? I don't think so. I think it opens this up this summer, summer of 2016. I think it's a great idea. It's a great and, idea. And, you know, quite frankly, the reason I think it's a great idea 
is because I want to show off in front of people. <laughs> and it's really hard to show off that you're a decent golfer in front of people who don't play golf. And this is the only opportunity I'm going to get for that. I need to build myself up. I need to seem like a better person to people. So that's what this is going to be. Uh, that is... <laughs> yeah, I'm good I, at so little. <laughs> you can't really just take somebody out to a golf course and be like, watch me. No, you can't do it. And on a driving ass. range, they don't know what's good and what's bad. No, come no, on. They don't. Oh, that's awesome. Let's see here. Golf courses that you would recognize in the last 20 from entries 80 to 100. Oh, my God. San Francisco Golf Club, which is always in the top 20 in the mm. U, you know, for the U.S. <laughs> right. uh, Royal Litham and St. Anne's at 82. Uh, you wouldn't recognize that. <laughs> Malaysia, Indonesia, no. Japan, no. China, no. Australia, no. South Africa, no. The Golf Club. That's what in I'm Ohio. That's what I'm talking about. Pete Dye. Oh. oh number 90. Abandoned like, Dunes at 90. You know, I like the lack of Pete Dye on this list. That is refreshing, isn't Except it? Except for Whistling Straits. That was a huge mistake. Wasn't Kiowa Island Pete Dye as well? I Then there's not enough of a lack. <laughs> but it, <laughs> Sawgrass didn't make it on here, did it? No. All right. No. Abandoned Dunes at 90. Macarena at 91. Macarena? <laughs> I thought that went out in the 90s. Macarena is 91. That's a fucking travesty. That is awful. That's an hey. old Tom Morris course in Scotland. That is it's bullshit. It's mm. Fucking bullshit. The most exciting tee shot, num- tee shot on the first hole in all of golf. Mm. 91. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Sunningdale, 92. Uh, Sabinick. The Jack Nicholas Tom Doe collaboration course in Long Island next to National is at 94. Emirates Golf Club at 95. Romy, no. A lot of askers in various no. countries. Not ever. Emirates, no. Mexico, no. Gary Player Country Club in South Africa at 99. And 100 is Oldiata in Rome, Italy. Is that where the Ryder I Cup's? don't The know. 2022 Ryder Cup. Oh, there we go. Oh, my home man. That is some bad list. That list is bullshit. <laughs> Oof. That is, is that is a fucking awful list. Yeah. So the lowest ranked American course on the list is um, Sabanik or Sabonic, however you want to pronounce it. I, I'm not 100% you know, let's, sure. Let's not. At 94. Let, let's not pretend here. America is the dominant golf country in the world. It is. And... In a list of the 100 greatest golf courses in the world, America should have at least at least 50 entries. And it appears it has a little about 20, give or take a few. It's it's more than that, I think, but a staggering number of courses on this list from Australia, the Caribbean, continental Europe. I mean, what is happening? Well, what's the I mean, there's so many golf courses I can think of that I, I would Spy think Spyglass Hill the... isn't in the top 100 in the world? No. Mm. Which is bullshit. What's the name of the... How about Bethpage Black? It's not I in mean, the top it, 100? I mean, it has its problems, but it's a great golf course. Absolutely. And the, the crazy part is that... It <laughs> there's just too many golf courses that should be on the list that are not. There are some courses that I don't think are perfect... But they should be in the top 100. I'm thinking of courses like 
uh, Medina. That's well, not on there, is it? Thing, the American courses occupied a lot of the top 15. Yeah, they did. And after that, they kind of disappeared. Yeah. Well, it, it just goes to show how BS the list is. It's just such bullshit. Because this thing, if I'm looking on the list, where is Sebenik on the, you know, the American list? Where do I have to go down to? So it looks. How about, how about Baltusrol? That is a list. tremendously good golf course. Not okay, on there. Here's okay. This is what's bullshit. There's a course on here that's ranked twenty. So Golf Digest, the people that are making the very same list, have the course ranked at number twenty-one. As a Tom Fazio course in North Carolina, Wade Hampton. That was not even on the list of top 100 in the world. Right. Yet, in their American list, it's ranked ahead of Whistling Straits, ahead of Friars Head, yeah, ahead you know. of Riviera. What? What is that? You know, it, it's what. Unless I missed it and it was on the list, and I'm forgetting right now. Which again, that, that might be that might be totally possible. It's whatever but, courses and national tourism boards decide to fillet the golf riders. At the appropriate time. <sighs> this the list just made me angry. That's yeah, wrong. I, not angry in a way that I want to throw a chair through a window, but just angry when my dick gets soft. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. Certainly not. <laughs> that's just yeah. That, that's fucking bullshit. All right, let's let, let's move on here a little bit. Let's, let's get to something a little more fun. That's not the. Uh, not as. What I want to, what's, what's the word that agitating. I'm agitating? Agitating, confrontational. Let's talk about 2016, the year ahead in golf, regarding the PGA Tour at least. Before I still, I'm still writing 2015 on my checks. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, let's go. 2016. <laughs> Shane Bacon of Fox Sports has come out with a, a nice little 10 predictions for 2016. But before we get to his, or maybe I'll ask you, do you want to go through his 10 predictions for 2016? Or do you want to maybe have do you have a few predictions of your own that you'd like to let's beforehand? Just, let's go through his and use it as a jumping off point. Okay, I like that. All right, Numero Uno by Mr. Shane Bacon on Fox Sports, a golf writer. Uh, this was published on January seventh. His first prediction is that the American Ryder Cup team will look very, very different, and that the captain's picks will be Justin Thomas. Cooch, Phil Mickelson, Billy Horschel, with the automatics being Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Zach Johnson, Fowler, Watson, Pat Reed, Brooks Kopka, and Tony Finau. Who did he say the captain's picks were going to be? Captain's picks are Justin Thomas, Matt Kuchar, Phil, and Billy Horschel. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't see anything that I can argue with so much about that. Is, um, that. is that dramatically different from the Ryder Cup team from is. a year and a half ago? Yeah. Why no Tiger? <laughs> right. Why? Well, he wasn't on the last one either, but... Um, <sighs> Why? <laughs> I want my Tiger. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, I thought that the choice of Davis Love III as the captain was not what we needed. Why did I see pictures of Davis Love III petting a squirrel on the internet all day? Oh, uh, yeah, he was the assistant captain. You know, there was a squirrel. Strange man. Lindsey Vaughn had a squirrel. <laughs> we, the, the American team needs somebody who is passionate and agitated and fiery. They need and, Tiger. And who hates losing. And Davis, they need Tiger. 
Not even Tiger. Tiger's not been a particularly good Ryder Cupper. To be a captain? He'd be a better captain than a player. Yeah. But the deal is that the wishy-washy kind of attitude and the ho-hum kind of thing and the lack of leadership is the big problem on the American team. And Davis Love III is, is playing really good golf. He's kind of inspiring. Sure. And he's certainly a great player. He's certainly qualified. But he lacks the intensity, I think, that's necessary to rouse these guys out of their sleep. We need a guy like Paul Azinger, and everybody's made that comment a million times, so I'm not the first one to bring it up. But I think we need somebody with passion. And Davis Love the Thirties, he's a cool customer. He's an unflappable kind of guy. It's not the right attitude. The American is as cool as a cucumber. I was thinking that Lee Jansen would be a really good pick, but evidently that idea never got to the surface. Hmm. He's a guy who cares about winning, who's emotional and passionate. Even even a guy who's unstable in historically, like Tom Weiskopf or something. Anything but these cool, calm, collected, stoic elder statesmen of the game. They never win. Hmm. How about Ray Floyd? He's still around. I mean, let's think outside the box. I wish they could resurrect Pan Stewart. Yeah. Shocker him. Bring him back from the dead, Jesus style. Just and just just to be the Ryder Cup captain, then you can let him go back. You know, go back to what he's doing. He would be. He would have been the perfect Ryder Cup captain. I like Lee Jansen. I mean, he would have been. I mean, I, you make a good point. But in terms of guys who who we could look to, Lee Jansen. I mean, he's he's a soft spoken kind of guy. Sure. But he's he's emotional. You got to go on YouTube, everybody, and watch the video of him on the 18th green after he won the U.S. Open at the Olympic Club, crying and and expressing himself. It was lovely. It was a lovely video. Crying and but not the, in a bitch boy way. And the son of a bitch came back from a four- or five-stroke deficit on the back nine on Sunday at the U.S. Open. He won it. Second U.S. Open. Nobody thought he could do it. The guy is a stud. College or or at some point, you know, teammate buddy of Corey Pavin, who would be another extremely good assistant captain, mm-hmm. another guy who's inspirational, guy who's got real balls, who wants to win. These are the kind of players we need to be thinking about. They're not as good as Davis Love the Third, but hey, Lee Jansen's got twice as many majors as Davis Love the Third. Right? And you know, even though his career is more in the twilight, you know, it's completely in the past. He's not as famous. Hmm. We, we've got to be thinking about guys like that. Look at the people the Europeans choose as their captain. It's not always the guy with the, you know, earnings and the money titles and the world ranking. They're not persuaded by the big dick player. They just want no. a good captain. They have Sam. They they have guys who are extremely good, but they're not necessarily the greatest. They have guys like Sam Torrance, Paul McGinley, guys who are great captains. Paul McGinley never won anything, you know, major championship wise. He was just a really solid player for a long time, who was highly respected and very very intelligent and mm-hmm. very emotional. The Americans need to stop rewarding the next in line guy with these captaincies. 
they need to pick somebody who's got some fire. Somebody who's got something to, to fight for. Yeah. So, Lee Jansen's your pick then? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted Lee Jansen. And he's young enough to still do it. Tiger down the road will be the captain, but... Uh, you know, he would kind of overshadow everything at this point. Good. Take the pressure off the guys. Let yeah. them do their thing. Yeah. Let them soak up all of the attention. Tiger hasn't been part of a winning Ryder Cup since Brookline. Mm. He was out with an injury when we won in 2008, and they haven't won since Brookline any other time. Oh. Oh, that's not good. No. Well... I think they're going to be fine. I think I think the American talent right now seemingly outweighs and is is no that never works. It, it doesn't, but you would think it doesn't. That, that, you know, the top ten golfers in the world. There's more Americans on it than there are Europeans, isn't there? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. No. All right. Well, let's go to number two for Shane Bacon's <laughs> list of golf predictions. <laughs> hey, that's not really a prediction. That you just read the world rankings and you can make that prediction. Yeah. The second ranking is weird because it seems fucking obvious. So Rory McIlroy has predicted that Jordan Spieth will have a down year. Yeah, he will. I mean, compared to last year. This man on Fox Sports. He already won his first tournament. Yeah, this guy is saying that Jordan Spieth will not have a down year. Says he's going to crush again. Thoughts? He'll have a, a really good year again, but I think it's hard to win majors. I, I think that that Jordan will probably win one major, but even that's tough. I I still don't quite see how the Jordan Spieth recipe is as durable as the recipe that McElroy and Day have. I just don't. I you think Day has a better chance to win multiple majors this year than than Jordan Spieth does? Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Really? Day was just as close as Spieth was to winning. the. He was closer than Spieth. Well, yeah, a little bit closer than Spieth was, about half a shot closer to winning the Open Championship. And then at the U.S. Open, he, he was right in there. He just had a bad round on Sunday after he had the vertigo on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And every year, Day is in the running at the Masters. He yeah. he didn't challenge Spieth this year, but ordinarily he is. I would love to see him win the Masters this year. He will. I would love to see Jason Day win the Masters. That would Day, Day speed. I think that's my ideal outcome, other than Tiger Woods. By the way, let's let's bring this up very quickly. And every year, it's the truth. But the Masters this year is going to be frigging awesome. Fuck yeah, it is. You know what we should do? We should. This would be pretty epic. Not only should we watch the Masters together, we should record a live commentary, a podcast to accompany it. So if you want to go back, Norm, Norm McDonald has done a live podcast during major championships. We, I think we need to follow the suit. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So here's the deal: it's going to be McElroy going for the career grand slam. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Spieth defending. Sure. It's going to be Bubba Watson trying to be a pain in the ass every year like he always is, and it's going to be Jason Day going out to win a tournament, second consecutive major, and going out for a major that he's always been on the verge of winning and never been able to do it. It's going to be great. But oh, Jay, I would love that. here's the thing. In golf, professional golf, drive distance is extraordinarily valuable. Mm-hmm. And Day and McElroy have it. 
and they're accurate. And Spieth just doesn't. Yeah. So you see Spieth, his scoring average, his birdie average, all that stuff is really, really good. But so much of it comes down to putting. And these putts that he makes from long ranges, it, the rate is amazing. It's incredible. And I have a hard time believing that somebody has cracked the code to putting forever. <laughs> that That is a thing. That's the holy grail of golf is being able to get putting to be under control. But he still misses more putts outside of 15 feet than he makes, right? Oh, yeah. Surely. Yeah. He has he makes more putts from 20 to 25 than he makes from 15 to 20. So weird. It's really strange. So weird. He makes 25% of putts from 20 to 25 feet. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what's that number? Yeah, it is. Wait, what? R- please, r- please repeat. He makes 25% of putts from 20 to 25 feet. A quarter of them. It's fucking incredible. And he doesn't miss inside of five feet. He he, not as much as Tiger <laughs> or or Fred Freddie Jacobson, but close. If that's sustainable, if he keeps putting a twenty five percent from it's, twenty feet, it pl- just it just can't be. It can't be. Assuming that he does, yeah. Look, uh, if I told you that from twenty to thirty feet, just Jordan Spieth's make percentage in two thousand and sixteen is twenty six percent. He'll he'll win he'll win five or six tournaments at least, and another. If I told you that the line on his Winning of majors is set at one and a half. That's a great bet. Do you take the over? That's or under? a fabulous bet. I'm taking the under. Yeah, you it's have to, you have to. It's right? hard to win majors. Y- yeah, th- and there's only four. I, uh, okay, even if I didn't give you that guarantee, if I set the if I set the line at one and a half, you know that so many people are going to want to take the over, but the smart bet is to take the under. No, you have to take the under. You have to take the under. You have to. How many years did Tiger Woods win two majors or more? Not many. Maybe Not three. Many. Uh, what two thousand? I'm not gonna be able to think about. Yeah, pr- probably th- three or four. Three or four. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I can't find a line on it right now, but that, that, that's got to be that's close to bet. what it is, right? I don't even think that bet is out there, but you might be able to convince a book to take it at one and a half. I don't know what they would put it at, but they'd probably put it at one and a half. One and a half seems like it has to be where it is. Would it be? would probably be one and a half, and it wouldn't be even. It would probably be one and a half, and then over would be probably plus 150. I've never really quite been able to understand betting odds. I've never been to Vegas with the whole like plus 100, plus 200. Mon- the, the money line? Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's simpler than odds. Okay. The money line, if it's a plus, it describes the payout for a $100 bet, usually. And if it's a minus, it describes the pay in for a hundred dollar payoff. So if something is a plus two hundred, that means if you bet a hundred, your winnings are two hundred. If you if that comes in. If you So ha- actually it, it would be just it's a two to one. Plus two hundred is more yes. pretty much two to one. It is. If you have a minus one fifty, that means you have to put in one fifty to win a hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Ah, it's actually is pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the Warriors, to win the title, going into the Western Conference Finals last year, were at like, something crazy, like plus 125 or you know, minus, minus 125 or something. I'm sure it was minus something. 
crazy. Yeah. This guy's a goddamn fiends. Really are. All right. So Jordan Spieth, maybe he'll win. Jordan Spieth, PGA Tour victories in 2016. I put it at three and a half. Oh, over, over. Under. over. Over. He already has one. Four and a half. Over. Okay. So he's going to win five ter- five plus tournaments this year. Yeah. You think he'll win a major? Yes. If you had to pick which one. Can you get me the venues? I certainly can. Well, I can tell you where the Masters is going to be played. Okay. Where's that? <laughs> Pine Valley? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, 2000 and... Cape Kidnappers. <laughs> uh, golf Majors, 2016. All right, so in 2016, the Masters, mm-hmm. that will be played. Okay, forget it. Let's go to the U.S. Open. Uh, I'm have to go to the history because... Oh, my God. This is just not, just not working. All right. So, Masters, obviously played at Augusta. The U.S. Open, give it to me, is going to be, oh, Jesus Christ, in Pennsylvania. Come on. Don't be a cock. Is it Oakmont? Okay. Oakmont for the U.S. Open. The Open Championship this year is going to be held at Royal Troon. And the PGA Championship will be at Baltusrol. Yeah, I think that Spieth will win. Hmm. So, one more time. We go Augusta, Oakmont, Troon, Royal Troon, finishing up a Baltus Raw. The one he has the best chance of winning is the Masters. And sure. the, the reason why is because of the size of the field and the fact that he's won there before. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I think he probably has the worst chance of winning at... Uh, Troon? No, I, I would maybe say Oakmont. Cause it's a mean-looking golf course. It is. Whew. I think that Oakmont might just be a little bit... Whew. just might be a little bit long. Isn't it quite lengthy? 73? <sighs> okay, that's not that 73, long. 73, 74? You can handle that. I, don't quote me on that. Like anything else in this podcast, I could be completely fucking wrong. But I, I think it's somewhere around the 73, 74 mark. You know, it's tough with Spieth because it doesn't seem like there's exactly a style that doesn't suit him. 74 know. on the dot. 74 on the dot. Yeah, okay, par that, 72, that's, 74. That's pretty normal for those guys. Although, it goes to a par 70 for the majors. Yeah. 7,400 yards, par 70. What the fuck? Is that even golf? For them. That's fucking dumb. I, I think that Oakmont just might be a little bit long. Um, the the greens are hard to approach. Um, you know, Spieth's balls, he has incredible accuracy with his irons, but mm-hmm. they do have a little bit less spin than the shots that other players hit, just a little bit. And I think maybe in the U.S. Open, above all tournaments, it'll be liable to, to hurt him. Mm-hmm. He's not... You know, I, I, st- I think he could still win the U.S. Open. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, if I have to pick one that he might not win, it would be the U.S. Open. At Oakmont? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. The line is set at one. Well, oh. it means the, basically the same as one and a half. Yeah. The money line, <sighs> you know, might 
change because one would be a push instead of a loss. But yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So he's there. Let's go. Let's get back to Senior Bacon's predictions here. Tony Finau is your official sleeper golfer who could win a major. Tony Finau. Finau. Thoughts on Tony Finau? I don't know anything about him. He's a great player. He's good. Yeah, he's young. He's a bomber. He's a a birdie and eagle maker. He did really well in the U.S. Open. Uh, he's a fantasy stud. You know, fantasy golfers love this guy because of the birdies. Um, good, good sort of demeanor, and he's not a choker. You, you know, hits the ball a mile. Yeah, he's a prototypical young golfer. He's a lot like Gary Woodland. Okay. Let's see here. Prediction number four. The Olympics' decision to go with a 72-hole stroke play will be overly criticized. Yeah, it will. And it's the right decision. You think it's the right decision? Yeah, it is. It's the fairest. Yeah. You know, you think about the Olympics, and, you know, of course they have all those sports (laughs) (laughs) that have judges. (laughs) And so, of course, that's all, you know, open to all kind of criticism. But but for all those non-judge sports they are incredibly objective and that's part of the allure to the olympics you have the 100 meter dash where you win it or you don't there's no room for you know advantages stroke play is the fairest format for golf yeah so i think it's hard to argue against it the olympics has to be about fairness even playing field okay that's fair enough all right, let's take a look here. So his next one. I'm looking forward to the Olympics, by the way. I don't I know about well. you. I, I want to see how it plays out. I, I know Adam gonna, Scott doesn't care s- about it, but I still think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. It will. I'm really excited. I'm even and the excited course, for the women's field. And the course might be a train wreck, but I'm, I'm eager to see what that looks like, too. It's still a little ways away from being finished, too. It's like the Chambers Bay of South America. I don't know. It's not, not going well down there. All right. Do you know if here. the women's will be held before, after, or during the men's? Say it again. Do you know when the women's Olympics golf will be held compared to the men's? I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, I was curious about that. Mm, I mean, obviously, it won't be held simultaneously. It'll be one weekend. It'll be depends one. on the field size, really. Although it'd be hard to set up the course fair for women and men at the same time. But do you think they they're going to let the dudes play first, so it's in that's usually how they do it for them. That's what they did at Pinehurst. It's a little more beat up. That's usually what they do. Oh, jeez. All right. Five on Shane Bacon's prediction list. Players will build their entire schedules around a 45-day stretch during the summer, which means from the time the U.S. Open kicks off on June 16th and the PGA Championship wraps up on July 31st. Yeah, well, they always do. What What does that even mean? How's that a prediction? It's not. Forget. Let's go. Let's move on. Dumb. The big three will turn into the big four. By September. Okay, so the big three is McElroy, Spieth, and Day. Right? And yeah. he thinks what? Fowler? Is that what he's talking about? No. Who does he think is going to join him? Oh, Thomas? <laughs> no, sir. The fourth is your favorite. Doke ch- <laughs> Dick Joking Dustin Johnson. <laughs> oh, jo- oh, no. It can't be. <laughs> No. Master of dick choking, Mr. <laughs> Dustin Johnson. <laughs> no, no. That's not going to happen at Man all. And says he has the talent to be part of the, the big four. It's never going to happen. 
I would like for it to happen. I mean, I would love for DJ to win a, like a major. He'll win a, a major. But it's just, you know, he doesn't have the drive, evidently, that these other guys have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sh- yeah. So that's his. He, he thinks that Fowler, uh, Fowler will sooner be in the top four than, than Johnson. Be, I would love to see Fowler win a major. Fowler's good for golf. He's great for golf. I like that. What do you think about his new high tops and uh, I like it a lot. And jogger look. I like it a lot. I think, I think it's I think really it's good awesome. for golf. I think it's good for golf too. He's got a hot girlfriend. He's you know got the whole bullshit thing going on. It's perfect. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And he's a great player. He is. Yeah. Let's see here. Prediction seven: Graham McDowell <laughs> will continue his recent I success. I love that guy, but he no, what? What kind of pre- the, the sh- um, bacon is a, a a Northern Irishman? Is he not? I don't know. That's the only reason this is even on the list. What <laughs> Graham McDowell? I mean, he's a little bit off the radar. Of all the one and done winners we've had since Tiger's Run, it was McDowell who seemed most like a sure thing. What does that mean? Blow me. <laughs> Graham McDowell is a really cool player. He's really good. Yeah. No. N- n- uh, nobody has any. Pr- everybody would love to see Graham McDowell win again. Yeah. I mean, what's I guess the, what's is, the prediction is, again? That he will continue his. Recent Didn't he have a terrible success. season last year? I thought he was on a downturn. He slumped for a long time. He couldn't hit fairways until he claimed victory at the OHL oh. Classic in November. Forget it. And finished okay. third so at the November. RSM Classic. Yeah, the following week. We're going to move on from that as well. Okay. All right. So here, here's actually a very good prediction. Not that I think it's actually going to you know hold true, but it's a very bold. Interesting prediction. He is already calling the winner of the Masters this year. I've got my pick for the winner of the Masters, but I, I want to know what his is. Well, considering his is written down right here, I can't change it. So maybe we should get yours first. I think Jason Day is going to win the Masters. Okay. I would love to see either of these gentlemen win the Masters. So your pick is Jason Day. Shane Bacon is calling a Phil victory. <laughs> There's... <laughs> That would be really cool, but it's it just not going to happen. Yeah, would be I don't even epic. like Phil Mickelson that much, but that would be a really cool story. Oh, man, that would be so awesome. He, he had a great round at the uh, at PGA West today. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he started out, I think he ended up only shooting maybe four under, but... They're jacked up golfers. <sighs> that golf course is fucking dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's a perfect golf course for a PGA tournament. Right. It seems like an awful golf course to go play in for free human, time. For human beings. Yeah. Phil had a terrible season last year. I don't... I mean, he's won the Masters... Repeatedly, twice, thrice, I think. thrice. So, huh. yeah, he's won the Masters three times, the British once, and the PGA. Isn't that what it is? Or is it only twice with the Masters? Thought it was three times. Thought it was oh three. Yeah, who knows? Phil Mickelson, major win. Doesn't he have five major wins or six? Let's take a look here. He's won the PGA twice. He won at Baltusrol, and he won five major championships, three Masters. Okay, so one PGA, one British, and three Masters, right? Yes, correct. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, he won the Open Championship in 2013. Oh, oh, that's the other. Going back to your question of the greatest rounds of golf, the final round at Muirfield from Phil and everybody else, that was amazing. The three-wood that Phil hit into, I think it was well, 17. That, that, the, the major that he won... Oh, no, this is 2016. So that was at Muirfield when he won in 2013? 
I was in I was in Korea. I couldn't watch it at the time. Dude shot sixty six on Sunday. Fucking ballers. Birdied eighteen, birdied seventeen. Yeah. Anyway. It's big dick golf right there. Phil winning the Masters is a prediction you just write to get people to click on your article. <laughs> it's absurd. Oh, uh, it's awesome. Phil is, even if Phil were playing pretty well, it, it would be like the, he'd be like the sixth likeliest guy. Phil. Let's see here. Prediction number nine. Ooh, I don't like how this looks at all. His ninth prediction. We will not see Tiger Woods play golf this season. It might happen. Oh, that would be so that would be such a huge bummer. I'm out of. I, th- I think it's. Tr- it very well could be true, but I just really fucking hope that it's not. I'm out of the that tiger. Would suck. I'm out of the tiger prediction business, but the guy evidently, you know, it, it's over for Bozo. Bummer. Fucking bummer. All right, last one here. Last prediction that he has. At Hazeltine this fall, the U.S. Wait a minute. Will prevail. Okay. At the Ryder Cup. <sighs> he says it won't even be close. I don't think they're going to win. Europe would prevail once again. It's so early to pick because we don't know the teams. But I'm not inspired by the captain. I like Reed and Spieth. You know, it's nice young blood. Mm-hmm. If Horschel can be on the team, that'd be cool. You know, some guys with some fire. If we can maybe somehow have a way for Jim Furyk to, you know, be sent on a space mission to Mars <laughs> while this is happening, so he's not on the team, it would be helpful. <laughs> Dustin Johnson doesn't he's, need he's to be on the team to either. Make the team this year. Yeah, but he's in, he's number nine in the world right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Jim. So if we can keep Furyk off the team, we have a chance. If yeah. Furyk's on the team, we're going to lose. It's as simple as that. Okay. And Furyk has a great singles record, but for some reason he is the the uh, angel of death. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I, I can't predict the U.S. is going to win until I see. That's a tough one. You're still. It's still a little. Home. We're still a little too far away, aren't we? It's on home soil, so that's nice. Yeah. But I still think we have like a forty percent chance of winning. I'd, I'd sooner pick the Europeans. Okay. I, I hope we win, of course. I'm a real American. Mm. Now, if there's one golfer, this is where we're going to go off the list before we bring the podcast to a close because we've done almost three hours because we're savages like that. My bladder is yelling at me again. <laughs> well, almost a dozen Sierra Nevada pale ales have been consumed <laughs> over the course of this podcast. Well, not, not just by me. <laughs> by both of us. Um, if there's one golfer that you would pick to win more than one major, who, which, which golfer do you think has the best chance of winning Two majors this year. You're saying Day is going to win the Masters, so he would be the most obvious choice for you to win two majors. But then there's Spieth. Maybe Fowler wins one, but could Fowler win two? I don't know. Uh, my choice would be Day. Day. Yeah. His, his golf game seems to fit a lot of the golf courses that they're going to be playing this year and that he's if, long. The U.S. Open seems like it'll set up for him really well. If you hit the ball extremely high, 330 yards... What golf course are you not going to be able to play well? Pretty much every. <laughs> and here's the, here's the difference. Like, I would say Spieth, and it would be hard to argue, but and he he's won the Masters. And right. Day, Day hasn't done that, but Day has done everything but win the Masters. So it's going to be a dogfight at the Masters. Then Day's game suits everywhere, mm-hmm. and. 
you know, I don't know. Day and McElroy intrinsically like can go lower than Spieth if they play a good round. On of golf. their best days, they're better than because Spieth they can reach they days. can reach more par fives than he can, and yeah. they can hit shorter irons into par fours. Spieth is more consistent. Spieth's a better putter, but I've seen better than your boy Deschambeau. <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll be in the majors this year. It's going to be exciting. This whole thing about hitting the same fucking golf club. That's amazing. Got to go watch him play. It's just it's he's, most ridiculous. And, he, and he's got taut, sinewy arms. I, I, I hope, I hope he is really, really good. It would be great for the game to see some fucking weirdo like that just, just thrash people with fourteen seven irons in his bag. Like it would just be awesome. So, so you know, we saw Day hold off Spieth at the PGA. Yeah, we know it can be done. Mm-hmm. And now Day's got the monkey off his back. Right. And Day loves Augusta. He wants to win the Masters. He's the defending major champion. He's played He's played well at every major. And so is Spieth. But McElroy, you know, he's got the Augusta monkey. He hasn't, he doesn't seem to play well there. Well, this is okay. This is the obvious serious question regarding Jason Day winning at Augusta. If he's sitting there... On the 18th green at Augusta, he's got a 12-foot putt to win the Masters. When he's sitting over that putt and he's about to stroke it, does the thought of LeBron James's cock getting smothered into his wife's face <laughs> come to mind? And does does, is, does that prevent him from making a putt that could potentially win the Masters? That's the obvious serious question that any See, analyst would have to ask themselves. You're operating off of off the assumption that LeBron James has a cock. I'm not sure that we've had that <laughs> proven. <laughs> I my my guess is that he does. My guess is that it's probably three to four times. I think he got his the kids size the same, of mine. I think he got his kids the same place Michael Jackson got his kids. <laughs> uh, so you're saying that. LeBron James's taint being rubbed in Jason Day's <laughs> wife's face is still not going to be distracting enough to keep him from winning him from winning at Augusta. I think that that won't be in the forefront of his mind okay. at that point. Okay. And oddly enough, Jason Day kept his cool as well. Well, you know, Jason Day, what could he have done? Yeah, These right. things happen so quickly. Right. Hey, folks. Unfortunately, we had a couple of technical difficulties as uh, we finished up and we lost the last couple minutes of the podcast, but I hope that you enjoyed the first hundred and some odd minutes uh, that we got there for you. A lot of good stuff, a lot of funny stuff, and uh, yeah, I'm already looking forward to doing it again next week, and uh, thank you everybody for listening, if you still are. Uh, once again, the podcast today was presented by golfguide.net. Save 30 to 70% on golf by visiting golfguide.net. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week.